You're listening to Twitch Asylum Video Game Radio. Welcome to Twitch Asylum, episode 15. 15. It's been about a month. What have we been doing, Tom? Well, new consoles are out, and we'll tell you about Chris's adventures in trying to pick those up. All right. Um, we've been doing some Christmas shopping. Dave painted a room. I painted a room. Uh, Woody picked up a new car. Uh, yeah. That actually that. happened last time we were going to record the episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was out, uh, but even more importantly, um, I've stepped up into the last generation of consoles, and we'll talk Briefly about that. Cool. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, this episode we're going to be talking about the recent console launches um, with some hands-on reporting by our ours truly. Is that is that one way to do it? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. And we're going to have part one of a two-part series on the history of Nintendo. It's going to be right. a completely jammed show, so we better get started. Yeah, let's go. All right. Excellent. So it's time for the discussion, and Chris has some stories to tell of his adventures in acquiring a PS3. That's right. So uh, during the last podcast, we talked about the fact that I was going to try to get a PS3. Yeah. And did you get one? Well, uh, well, maybe I did. Maybe I didn't, Tom. So <laughs> it basically started out, I guess, the Saturday before the launch. Amy and I went to Walmart at, I guess it was like 3 a.m. to uh, do some Christmas shopping. At 3 a.m.? 3 a.m., yeah. That's when you like to Christmas shop? Well, we were just up. That's when you're in the holiday we, spirit. We were just up, and we figured, you know, the ads are going to go on, you know, Sunday. And our Walmart's open 24 hours. We wanted to avoid the rush. So we said, let's go ahead and do it. All right. So were there a lot of people there? There was nobody at Walmart. There was nobody at Walmart, actually. But uh, a lot of people stocking shelves and stuff like that. But I talked to the guy who was in there, and he said that um, Walmart was going to let people line up for the PS3 in the layaway section, uh-huh. and, which is nice because it's inside. It's not going to be cold. Yeah. And they were going to sell it at 12 a.m., so a long time before the other people that were going to sell it the following morning. So I thought it was you know the ideal place to line up for a PS3. And that, and that news came out later for all the other Walmarts. Yeah, that's yep. yeah exactly. So... Yep. You had, um, you had first-hand knowledge. You had, right. You had the scoop, you thought. We had the scoop. And yeah. uh, a friend of mine, I guess at work, Jeff, and I, we had planned on camping out for the PS3. So, you know, I took this news back to work, and I'm like, hey, I got the plan. We're going to go ahead and line up at Walmart, and, uh, you know, we'll be able to stay inside. It's going to be great. And um, the night before we were going to go there, which I guess would have been Wednesday night. You're, that's right. We were all excited. We were like, oh, we'll meet you tomorrow morning. We're going to go like at 5 a.m. and start lining up, you know, really <laughs> early in the morning and wait all day until, you know, 12 a.m. and get it. But a guy at work, his name was uh, Andrew. Is Andrew, actually. Has still changed. is Andrew. It's still it's, his name. Yeah, it's still his why, name. Why don't you give him a call and see if there's anyone waiting? Yeah, right. Well, he, you- he, so he decided to go ahead and call Walmart. <laughs> and he said, she said, well... The line was inside, uh, but it grew so big. And it got two too days, noisy. And it got too noisy like two days ago that they had to send him outside. <laughs> <laughs> 
So two days in advance, there was already such a big line that it became a problem? Right. So yeah. we, oh, we, spent, we spent the rest of the oh. night at work just kind of calling around to see, you know, are, are there any spots open at any Walmarts? They were all full. I called uh, Target. Target said they wouldn't let people line up to like 3 a.m. the following day, the day of the launch. Um, mm-hmm. So that didn't sound good. And I pretty much just gave up at that point. I'm like, screw it. I don't need a PS3. It's no big deal. And I, and I was driving home that night, and my wife, Amy, called me on the cell phone, and she's like, um, I'm at the mall. Um, do you want to go get something to eat? And I was driving home, so I'm like, sure, I'll, I'll stop by uh, and get something to eat. So um, we were walking around the mall, and I noticed they had a new store called Sony Style. Have you heard of that? Yeah, I've seen Sony Style. Have you seen the one at Washington Square? Yeah, I've been yeah. to that one, yeah. It's, it's pretty new, and I didn't even, I didn't even yeah. know it was there. And I walked in there and looked around a bit, and they had a PS3 display. So I was like, cool. So I got to play Motor Storm, and I checked out like NBA 07. Mm-hmm. So and they actually that, had a unit there before launch. Yeah, I think Best Buy and a lot of people had oh, okay. the PS3 displays, but I, I hadn't seen one yet. Okay, so. okay. And I started talking to the guy, and I said, um, you know, when are you going to allow people to line up for the PS3s if you're getting any? And he's like, well, we're getting some, and but you can't line up until 3 a.m., you know, the night of the launch. So that would be like Friday morning at 3 a.m. So uh, I figured, you know, hey, there's a possibility because I didn't know how many people even knew this store existed. You know, I knew right. a lot of people were going to go to Best Buy and these other places. Yeah. So um, that was pretty cool. But um, whatever. So I went to work the next day and I said, I told Jeff, I'm like, you know, the Sony Style store at the mall, people can't line up till 3 a.m. That's probably a good place to go um, because maybe a lot of people don't know about it. So. And from what the guy said, they had on the order of maybe 10 units. <laughs> so it didn't, didn't sound real promising, but I was thinking, hey, yeah. you never yeah. know. Maybe, I, maybe I'll be set here. So, But you, you left work that day, and you were kind of ambivalent. You're saying, well, I don't need it, right? No, I really – I didn't think I was going to line up. That's the thing. So I left you know, Thursday, and on the way home, I'm like, well, I'm just going to stop by the mall and see what's going on, right? And I, I didn't pack anything because I didn't plan that I was going to – I pretty much convinced myself I don't need the PS3. I'm going to do without it. it I, it's not a big deal, whatever. Right. So I'm driving home, and I left a little early. I, I got there at like 4.35 and um, looked around, and there was a couple people standing up near the front. And uh, they looked like they were probably in line for the PS3, but I wasn't really sure. Yeah. So I walked up and I said, um, you know, are you guys waiting in line for the PS3? And they're like, yeah, we're waiting in line. There was, there was two of them. And I was like, well, why don't we just start a list? Because, you know, they're not going to let us line up apparently until 3 a.m. They're going to keep kicking us out. Or at least that was what we thought they would do. And they, they hadn't heard. They had, had they heard of that? They, had they been told that they wouldn't be able to let? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. they knew. So they were trying to make it like they they're weren't really aligned, but they're right. not really aligned. So they were like, "Yeah, let's just start creating a list because uh, you know when other people come, even if we can't line up, at least we kind of know when people got here, right?" Right. So we sat there outside the mall, and um, eventually the security guard came and said, "Are you guys waiting for the PS3?" And of course we said, "Yeah." And he goes, "We guys have to leave. You can't come back till 3 a.m." So we went out. We went out in the parking lot and kind of stood there. And I called Jeff at work, and I was like, "Hey, Jeff, uh, you know this thing's going on. We got this <laughs> list going. What do you think?" I, I wasn't even thinking of Stan, you know, because I was like, "Well, I'll just leave or whatever. I don't, I don't really need it." He's like, "Well, we should just go ahead and go let's, for it. Let's do it. Let's go. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's go ahead do and it. do it." I'm like, "Oh, all right." So uh, I want to say that we try to get Jeff on the podcast to, yeah. to talk about this, but he declined. Yeah, we, exactly. He's so. he's not a big talker. Yeah. So yeah. So. uh so I started making this list, and people just kept coming out into the parking lot and kind of gathering around, and I kept adding people to the list. 
And, and nobody, <laughs> nobody actually believed in the list. They're like, well, I'll put my name on the list, but I don't believe that it's actually going to do anything. But the, these people were actually there. These people, the people who were on the list, actually got their yeah. Names they on they actually kept coming and yeah. showing up and. Yeah. And I guess we were standing out in the parking lot, you know, and people, it was just, crowd was gathering, and the list, I guess, was about about 20 people or so at this point. <laughs> so, uh, and one of the guys who was there, he said he had, he'd just come from Walmart, and the guy in the front of the line at one of the Walmarts was trying to sell a spot for $1,000, because he'd been there, <laughs> been there for two days and hadn't eaten anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> Did anybody take him up on it? Uh, I don't think so, no. $1,000 so. just for a spot in line. Right. So Jeff, he showed up a, a while before this, you know, like before the twenty people. So he was probably like the fifth or sixth person in line. But I, I marked him down. Like I think I was, I was third, and, and Jeff was fourth. And um, so you were holding a spot for him. I was, well, he, I mean, he showed up pretty soon. I mean, there weren't, <laughs> there weren't more than like five people there. So, so yeah. um, it was around seven p.m. And I guess uh, there the this mob was kind of forming in the parking <laughs> lot, and the security guys came. Uh, Security guards came and they said, you know, we couldn't line up until 3 a.m. And um, I tried to, like, tell them, you know, what's going to happen at 3 a.m.? Is there just going to be, like, this mad rush for the door? What the heck's going to go on? So it's you're just... using logic. Yeah, it was like, it said, wouldn't it be better just to let us line up so you guys wouldn't have lawsuits and stuff when people trample each other? <laughs> and, and the guy said, well, I get off at 11, so I really don't care what happens after that. <laughs> Uh, so now he's using logic back at you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so so I called uh, my wife Amy's brother because he's a he's a police officer, a uh-huh. cop or whatever, and uh, and I said, you know, there's this mob forming in the parking lot. What do you think would happen if we just lined up? Do you think the cops would really come and kick us off? Because that's kind of what the security guard said would happen. Yeah, and he said. If there's over like 20 people, he doubts the cops would really do anything. He says risky, but like, what are they really going to do? They are they going to kick you off? They, they could, had, they could they make the right you to... leave. Uh, uh, kick you off? Why? Like, what would they charge you with trespassing or something? Yeah, I, like, I guess well, loitering or something like that. Or it's illegal to make the formal. Well, I guess it's illegal well, to form I mean, a line. That, I don't know. That seems really sort of strange. <laughs> yeah, but, okay. but I mean, maybe you know, forming and, a line is now against the Patriot Act on private property. If you were in the yeah. parking lot. Well, yeah. it's still probably, but it, the, it's, it's silly because the consequence of the other option is to have these people um, stampede to form a line at three o'clock, and and we've we've, we've seen uh, videos on the net of, yeah. of that happening. I can't <laughs> believe that that actually happened. Dude. People just one guy like dislocated his jaw running into a pole. Yeah, have you seen that video? It's no, awesome. Have, oh, well, you got to see the video. Let's we'll put a link on the on the yeah. On the put website. a link up on, on our website. Important. I see. I figure what their problem is is if people line up and they tacitly endorse it by not doing anything, then if anything happens in the line, people could sue because say, "Well, you let people line up. This is you know, this is your oh, plan." But you think it's better to sprint at three a.m. and no, but I, <laughs> tackle each other. Like guess, just off property. Yeah, try- my, my guess is the lawyers have done the calculations and they don't care about what actually happens. It's just the their least liability <laughs> is if their official policy is they kick you out. Okay, so what happened? All right, so about this time, right after I got the phone with uh, Amy's brother, three guys just got in line. Um, and uh, The and, line that's halfway for No, no, no. We're in the parking lot, and they got in the real line, which is right next to the mall. So I'm like, hey, everybody, let's just get in line. Let's just go ahead and get in line. And everybody like went over and started getting in line. Okay. And, um, so and now there's really a line. Now there's a line. But here's the problem. The line is forming, and we're trying to respect the list. <laughs> but you know, So people are kind of shuffling around, and people are there. And, like, Jeff is at his car, my friend. He's yeah. like, I'm like, Jeff, I call him outside. I, I, you better get here because we've got a lineup. So Jeff, you know, finally comes back. He's like, okay. And he gets in his spot in line based on the list. 
And this one dude, um, I guess I'll call him Biggie Cutter from now on. In his story, but he's a big, big Cutter. He's a bigger gentleman. He uh, he screamed out "F the list" and he ran to the front. <laughs> so he just like jumped into the front of the list. He jumped like to the very front. Yeah, he's of the like, line. screw the list. I'm just gonna get in front. He's and, like, then, and he just got in front of the line. Yeah, that's so pretty much what he yelled out. Did other people react to that? Yeah. So like, every what? yeah everyone kept yelling at Biggie Cutter. They were like, "Hey, buddy," you know. But he wasn't he wasn't gonna move. He was like. You know, he was in and there, front. There was a list, even with the list was there or not. The line had started forming. There was right. a line, right? So, but he just decided to jump, jump to the front. So, uh-huh. yeah. So, um, I guess the line was probably about forty people or so at this point. It was just growing by the minute. I mean, it just kept growing. Okay, um, was there really any expectation that there'd be more than forty units, though? Okay, well, I'll get to that, Tom. Okay, you're trying. <laughs> to... I, I'm just curious. Yeah. Like, well, nobody knew, and yeah. I guess the Sony style in San Francisco had like several hundred oh, okay. so there was some thought that maybe the sony style store would get more than other stores but um because they have sony in the name yeah i mean yeah, yeah that makes sense a little bit okay. i guess so um and at this point uh the security guards came back over and they're like you know you guys can't form a line until 3 a.m and they're like you guys can't form a line until 3 a.m and nobody said anything we're all just staring at them we're like, <laughs> like okay <laughs> yeah good to know <laughs> we weren't mean about it but we we're just like you know okay and they're like, well, you guys can't form a line until 3 a.m. at 3 a.m. We're like, okay. <laughs> so then the security guard just left. And we're assuming they, they went to call the cops at this point. Uh, or talk to the supervisor or something. Yeah, we didn't yeah. know what was going on. So <laughs> the line was about 60 people now, and a couple cop cars showed up. But they were like in the distance. Yeah. So you know where the food court is? Yeah. And you know where Sears is? Yeah, sure. So they were over at Sears, like, staring at a, this big line forming <laughs> through the food court, which is quite a ways away. Oh, so like, we want to deal with these people. Yeah, so they're like, and then the security guards walk over there and talk to him for a while, and then the cops just left. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were just, they took off, so we're like, whatever. Oh, the one thing I should note is that while everybody got in line, a couple people didn't. This really annoying woman who just would not stop talking and telling us, you can't line until three, you can't line until three, was standing over, you know, where <laughs> we were before we formed the line. Uh-huh. And this group of individuals, which I'm going to call the the thugs from now on, were also <laughs> in there. You know, they came later than everybody else, but they stood over by the tree for some reason, thinking that they couldn't line up, even though everybody lined up. Now, you call them the thugs because these are big guys? Yeah, they're big uh yeah, intimidating type of individuals. And then this woman's with them? Or no, this woman se- was separate. just very annoying and decided okay. to stand over okay. there and not form a line okay. because she didn't want to form a line. Because she wanted to break the rules. She didn't want to break the rules. Yeah. yeah. Well, I that's... know. She eventually disappeared. I don't know what happened to her, but the thugs, they, they figure, they kind of factor in the story in a bit. They're a big <laughs> part of the story. All right. <laughs> so, uh, a, about a half hour later, uh, a couple guys came up to Jeff and I because we're the controllers of the list. Apparently, we were annoyed at that for some uh-huh. reason. Well, you I started. I it. started the list, and but nobody then, believed in the list. But now they, everybody wants to be involved in the list. So and they're <laughs> like, they're like, well, and there's so many people now. Uh, why don't we make a new list? Just update the list with the order we're in. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. So they proceeded to go through everybody in line, and unfortunately, they put Biggie Cutter first. Oh. Yeah, okay, but but they realized this, and they crossed Biggie Cutter off. Okay. But but it comes back around where that actually causes issues. So they're going, <laughs> they're going down the list, um, and I guess the this point, I, the list was around 200 or so people. 200? Yeah, it went all the way around, oh. you know, and we had no idea how many PS3s the store had or anything. Probably so. one. Yeah. <laughs> so around, Zero. around 9 p.m., 
the uh, security guard came back and he said, uh, well, we got some good news for you guys. We talked to the people from Sony and they said you guys could stay. So we were all like excited. This big cheer went out from the crowd. We're like, yay, we get the formal line. Yay. <laughs> so everybody's really excited about that. The right to peaceful assembly has right. been granted yeah. by Sony. Yeah. It, I okay. guess it was Sony's policy that you couldn't line up, they kept okay. saying, which is kind of weird. Yeah. I don't know why Sony really cared. But by challenging that policy, yeah. you just you, <laughs> apparently we could. <laughs> they weren't going to so, do anything about so it. So as soon as that announcement was made, the thugs. So this multi billion dollar company just like caved in response to a couple dozen people. <laughs> or, some, or some person in the market. <laughs> it was 200 people. 200 people. 200 people. Okay, okay, yeah. Were there, were there actually 200 people physically there? Yes. There were. Actually, grew, it grew larger than that. But okay. Started okay. Like, yeah, 200 people. So, mm-hmm. um,. So around and then so this, when the line gets it's announced that you can have a line right. So this is when the thugs make their move. They're like, <laughs> oh, they can form a line. It's been anointed that it's actually official now. So they decided that they should be in the front of the line as well. well so uh, so they just what? they just went up and cut into positions two and f- two through five. And a girlfriend of one of them showed up and also took place in line. Didn't people try to like make them leave or what happened? Yeah, well, it was, your, your story's making me angry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm sitting over here boiling. Okay, okay it gets better, this dude. Is a, this is a crazy... Yeah. So, it, gets, it gets much better. So, all right. And one of the thugs said, you know, right after he took his place in line by cutting in front of everybody, he kept stomping his foot going, I'm getting a PS3. I'm getting a PS3 for some weird reason. I was like, okay. And then he, a cutter. Then he kept yeah. telling everybody they were stupid because there were only 10 PS3s. So, <laughs> so yeah, he kept yelling that out loud. And everybody pretty much in the line went into an uproar. And since we were the annoyed anointed the list people everybody kept coming up to us and asking us what we were going to do about this like we were supposed to enforce the list i'm like uh there's not a whole lot i can do i got in a shouting match with one of the thugs but that didn't seem to accomplish much he just didn't like me after that that's pretty much what happened so so some dude in line he's an older gentleman he comes into play later as well he, he decided to call the cops about the thugs cutting in line uh-huh. So, like, police don't have better things to do than, than manage the line. So the, <laughs> the cop showed up, talked with the security guards, and they came to the conclusion that it isn't illegal to cut in line. That's what they said. There's nothing illegal about cutting in line. So That's not, probably true. So there's nothing yeah. they could do. Yeah. So everybody was upset and pissed. Uh, upset. <laughs> and, uh, and we just figured, and w- Jeff and I just kept saying, well, we'll just talk to the Sony-style people tomorrow and tell them what happened. Tell them we have this list, and hopefully they'll honor the list. And uh, kind of moved on from there. And I guess, you know, at this point... So that's when you turn to the rest of the crowd and you say... We're gonna, I'm gonna go. We're gonna kick these guys at. Gonna kick these guys butt, <laughs> and then everyone here is gonna back me up that they started it, right? Yeah. right. Oh, See, I, I mean, obviously, you know, you could do something like that, but I just knew the second that. I, first of all, I was in a good spot in line, regardless. I figured, hey, I'm probably gonna assist him anyway. It really doesn't bother me that much. But in a way, it bothered me. But I'm like, there's nothing I can really do about it. I'm not gonna risk my spot by getting in some, you know, confrontation <laughs> right. with these guys. Right. So. Right. And nobody else was getting in a competition. Probably only. Do you harm? But yeah. well, and I, I I wouldn't do anything either because I don't need my third strike. But <laughs> <laughs> so the line at this point was uh, was growing, and it reached about you're going to not believe this, Tom. Around 400 people, I would no say. Way. Four, dude, it was all the way. Who would be dumb enough to be number 400 in line? Yeah, I mean, that I doesn't know. make any sense. And he was probably back like, there going, "I'm okay, getting like, a PS3." You know uh-huh, getting well, well, here's PS3. the thing. Here's one thing that was kind of cool about Sony Style versus the other stores is they said. Even if you don't get a system tomorrow, we're going to put every person in line or you know that's there on a list 
Hey, a list. Yeah, okay, but basically they're going to use a list and or whatever order you came in, and those people are guaranteed a PS3 as they come in stock. So they'll just call people and say, hey, Oh, that's PS3. good. That's so nice of them, yeah. It's, it's probably the best way that you're kind of guaranteed. You don't have to keep going in stores and stuff. So maybe people were thinking that. But if I was above number 200, I'm probably not thinking. That's now, it. has 3 o'clock rolled by yet? And, no, and dude, it's story? not even okay, 10, right. 10 p.m. Yet. Okay. I think <laughs> I think Sony should be liable for anyone who gets injured in these because they don't allow the stores to take waiting lists. I mean, why can't yeah. the stores just start a list internally? Yeah, I mean, I think they're trying to cause this commotion. Well, they want the publicity from the, these day sales. They like the riots because it causes them to be on the news, and so it's their fault if when people are injured. All right, so uh, about <laughs> 10 p.m., the Sony style manager walks out. And he like saw the first part of the line, like that went to the kind of the corner of the food before it started wrapping around. Because it was past, you know, where the 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 like Newport Grill or whatever that restaurant is in there. Newport Bay. Yeah, it's way past. The line's way past that. So food court all the way around there, way past that. Yeah. All the way down to like J C Penney. Oh man, so (laughs) that's bad. So he looks at just this portion of the line and he's like, "Hey, a lot of you guys are going to be happy tomorrow morning." So people took that to mean that everybody in line, even way back, was going to be happy. <laughs> even, but I think he just saw part of the line, so he right. left. <laughs> uh, so let's see. Um, okay, this is kind of funny, too. So a little bit later, some guys were standing out in the parking lot. They're from uh, the line, just standing out there kind of talking to each other. Right. We hear this car squeal into the parking lot, and we're like, what's going on? And then we, some stuff like falls from the trees, it looked like. And then we realized these people just got egged. Like, this car pulled in and totally egged a bunch of people that were waiting. And started yelling at them. And everybody from the line, or at least that portion of the line, started running after this car. And then the car just squealed out and left. But about five guys were just covered with eggs. That was a good part. So. I love the mob mentality. Yeah, exactly. We were like, eh, we're going to get you. But I, I just stood in line because I don't want to lose my spot. A lot of people in the end of the line had, like, Full camping, they had space heaters, they had music, they were just partying it up, dude, in the back of the line. Yeah, and some. Uh, you think if they were that organized, they would have gotten there earlier and been at the front yeah. of the line. I just, I learned that there was a bunch of freaks in these lines, dude. Some little blonde kid uh, kept coming up to me and he's like, uh, You guys are totally set, you're in the front of the line, but I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. It's like, what would it take? I don't know, dude. <laughs> That's what we kept saying. And he's busily whittling a shiv in the back of the line. And he would just sit there and he'd go, I don't want to cause any trouble. And he just kept repeating these weird things like that. Some girl came by a bit later and offered services for places in line. Like, oh. Services? Yeah. What kind of services? I don't, I, I wasn't. Wait, I, no, what, what words did she use, Chris? I don't know, dude. I don't know. <laughs> Chris she's, is too innocent to know what those Yeah, I don't know what she's... But she anyway, she everybody pretty much yelled at her and she left, so that was kind of weird. I think some people said it's too cold for that. Yeah, that, maybe, that, maybe that's what it was. But, uh, so then it's it was, like that Seinfeld up. It was, it was about 2 a.m. Cold, and this is really weird, one. too. 2 a.m., a bunch of these toothless, like long-haired, like just totally wasted-out guys showed up. And went to the front of the line to the thugs, and they're like, "Hey, thanks for holding our line, our spot in line, dude." <laughs> and they're all like laughing at the thugs, and they're like, "Just totally weird." Like one, they had cones out there, and one guy was walking around with a cone on his head. Just weird <laughs> stuff. So the, this is really where the thugs actually did something positive. They told the guys they were going to kick their ass, and they left. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so, good. so we utilized the thugs for that. Okay. Uh, so, and then around 3 a.m., a bunch of friends of the thugs showed up. So, more thugs, I guess, you know, the thug. And they, they had reinforcements. They had reinforcements. They said, come on, we're going to get in line. Yeah, they, were, so they, they kept line. trying to, to cut, but the thugs actually said, no, we can't do that because the mob wouldn't allow it. 
<laughs> Even though they had already cut earlier. Right. But they couldn't allow anybody else to cut. I guess, you know, something I, was... That, that probably pushed the mob over the edge. Yeah. So keep didn't. keep in mind, all I had on this whole time was a t-shirt with a really light jacket over it. It's, <laughs> it's basically freezing out. And I stood the whole time. I never sat down for like oh. 16 hours. So, uh, And Jeff actually brought a sleeping bag, so I uh, I put that, you know, as... To warm me up a bit, but man, it was it was freaking cold out. So at three o'clock, people are showing up who actually knew it was going to be that the line. Was yeah, so to start three at three a.m. people were showing up, going, "Hey, the line's already formed." <laughs> it's like, yeah, so formed at like happy. seven p.m. <laughs> <laughs> so, and this is weird. Some dude rolls in the parking lot in a convertible, wearing, wearing a Hawaiian floral T-shirt with rap music on, a white guy, and started dancing outside his car. He, he was totally... This guy was off his rocker, too. <laughs> was this supposed to be a reference to Grand Theft Auto? I don't know. Dude, it looked like it. But So, so he's, he leaves his car on, right? And he walks up and starts talking to the thugs. And he's, Was it a blue Hawaiian shirt? No, dude. It was, like, all florally. And it was, like... It was just crazy. And So he's talking to the thugs. And uh, he's telling them his whole plan about... During the Super Bowl, he's got this plan... Where if the score is close, only if the score is close, he's going to go V for Vendetta. And when he does, he's going to call the thugs and let them know that it's time to go. Why would he only do it if the score is close? I don't close? know, dude. I don't know. But that's what he said. He kept repeating that and that's... telling telling all these stories about these sexual escapades and all this kind of <laughs> And then he was running from the law. And he's the, Meanwhile, the whole time his car is playing music, right? And Jeff and I are looking at each other. And this, he talks from for like an hour. And you hear that... <laughs> the car just died, dude. Did he run out of gas? No, dude, the battery died. Awesome. So he's like, hey, what happened? <laughs> so he starts running around to people in the line, and he finally found somebody that gave, you know, gave him jumper cables, and he got the got the thing started. <laughs> and, then, and then they leave? No, then he pulled the car right up front, left it running right in front of the line, and uh, just standing out there in his t-shirt just talking with the music going you know it's totally in front of the line and so pe- people are like hey can we get in your car and get warm and he's like oh sure and he put the top of the convertible up and then people were just kept taking turns getting in the car in the heat. <laughs> and he was like uh, he was like popular dude yeah yeah popular he was all happy dude. because he was popular crazy dude <laughs> you know yeah. what you should have just gone by that line and just like sold hot chocolates and stuff people and were doing you, that you Pe- could have made enough money to Pe- buy the PS3 people were doing that all night long they're bringing hot chocolate they're getting pizza dominoes and selling slices dude uh. it was like people selling all kinds of stuff <laughs> so around 5 a.m to 6 a.m was absolutely the coldest point of the night i was just freaking cold dude and i'm like dude the sun has got to come up soon but it didn't it didn't come up for a long time this is portland of yeah not. yeah okay yeah. so around 6 30 a.m finally uh a sheriff rolls up in a four by four with three other cop cars and oh. it seemed like they knew something was up or something could happen right and about the same time, the Sony dude uh, from the night before, he shows up and starts talking to the cops. And that older guy, the guy who made the list, he was right on it. He was going out there and he was talking to the cops and the Sony guy. And of course, he was talking about the, the thugs. The that cutters. It, that, and that we had a list, right? And uh, so he came back and he's like, hey, I need the list, guys. And Jeff and I are like, we don't even want you to bring up the list because we're in a prime spot. So Jeff's like, uh, I-, I lost the list. Oh. And, then, and, then, and then everybody stared at Jeff and he's like, uh, just kidding. Gave him the list. Because <laughs> everybody was just about to unload on Jeff. They're like, you lost the list. You lost the list. Because I guess, you know, it was really important to them. So, uh, so we gave him the list. So, uh, and, uh, 
And it, it, like tensions are high, right? Right. Yeah, tensions and, are really high because we're like, are we gonna get in, get these PS3s? Everybody's, you know, we spent sixteen hours standing in line, right? So after a long discussion, uh, I guess uh, the Sony guy came out and he said, you know, we're gonna go by the list. Oh yeah! And everybody's like yelling and screaming <laughs> except for the thugs. They're like uh-huh. really upset because they're not on the list, right? Right. And a near riot broke out at this point because all the thugs are just screaming and yelling, "What list? I don't. Know. I can make my own list. What's a list?" That's what they kept saying. <laughs> <laughs> I can make a list. What's this list? And uh, so, so at this point, everybody kind of started crowding the doors, and it was just getting to be but, like a, a mob type scene. Now, didn't the guy also announce how many that were going to be available? Oh yeah, he said, "Yeah, we have 18 PS3s." <laughs> <laughs> so that, I guess that's one reason it started getting more and more crowded. People just kept crowding to the front. So there's 18 PS3s, and we're going by the list. Yeah, we're going by the list. That's what he said. Yeah, and everybody's like, "Yay, the list, the list, yay!" So, so and, you saved the day, Chris. Uh, well, not not yet. <laughs> one, one issue was that uh, Biggie Cutter's name had been crossed out. So Biggie Cutter was not happy to learn that he had been crossed off the list. And so the list then became in question because if we had edited the list, then how do you know the list is actually true? Oh. So the thugs brought this up. Well, yeah, they're crossing names off the list. You can't trust the list. What's a list? <laughs> oh. So, um, so uh, then another 15 minutes occurred, and these the cops went off with the Sony-style guy, and they started talking again. And everybody who just showed up, Started yelling lottery, 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 <laughs> and then we were all yelling list, list, <laughs> list. So it's crazy, dude. And then, so then, about 15 minutes later, the guy comes out and he goes, uh, he goes, well, we've looked at it and we've decided we're going to go with the list. And even the names that were crossed off, well, there's only one. We're gonna, he's going to be on the list as well. So Biggie Cutter gets to be first, apparently, even though, even though he cut in, but. But the uh, but the thugs didn't, and um, they were they were not happy. <laughs> yeah, and this is when he announced there are eighteen consoles. By the way, oh, okay. sixteen sixty gigabyte, and two were the twenty gigabyte kind. Oh, so, so, so he said, when so we call your name on the list, you have to come up and show your ID, and then they're going to put a wrist tag on and take you in the mall, and you have to stand in the mall until eight uh, a.m. and then you'll actually be able to go in and get your uh, PS3. So, mm-hmm. so they, we. Two at a time. Or actually, then they start calling the names. He went in there. I got my ri- wristing on. I was like, oh, I'm totally set. And, and actually, I was pretty much totally set this time. And people were lined up, you know, these uh, 18 people in line. And everybody kept coming up to Jeff and I going, way to make that list, guys. Way to go. Because <laughs> they're, they're, really, they're all the people that were there from the initial point right, yeah. when we made the list. So right. everybody was really happy. Um, some woman came up and she she offered to give $2,500 for somebody's console right on the spot. Uh-huh. So one dude was going to sell his for twenty five hundred bucks. Wow! They also asked how many people were going to keep theirs and sell theirs. Pretty much everybody said they were going to sell them. <laughs> I said I was going to keep mine, and one other guy in line said he was going to keep his. Mm-hmm. So went in. Um, so what I want to know is what happened to the other couple of hundred people okay, who weren't okay. in the eighteen? Tom, I'm getting there. <laughs> Did they just all like go berserk? No, and, yeah, they're okay. When we're like go, when rising? we're going in, dude, when we're going in, it was actually to get in. People are just going nuts, you know, yelling, screaming. The thugs are causing it. People are just crowding, rah, rah, you know, and like we're just and, like and trying. That's to, why the cops are there. You're trying to walk by them and get in the mall, and we finally get in. We're like, got in the mall, and um, so anyway. They let us go in two at a time to the Sony Style Store, pick up our system. I bought Resistance. I bought, like, the HDMI cable. I bought the audio cable. Um, bought my system. Jeff bought his. 
and they wouldn't let us leave out the entrance we came in. We had to have a police escort oh, to man. our cars. Wow. Uh, but so, we went, so people didn't just like beat you yeah, and take the out, PS3 out and the end, other leave end. your body to rot in the parking right. lot? So they took us out the other end of the mall. Um, so I got in my a car, and I finally got home. And when I'm leaving, dude, the riot is still going on. Like... I, we've been in there for like an hour, and you can just see people yelling and screaming outside and kind of chaos. <laughs> but I, I guess what they're going to do is use the list and go through one by one and put everybody on the list to get a PS3 when they came in stock. So, wow. So I get home, dude. I'm tired. I actually went to work for a half day. Then I went yeah. home and I set up my system, put resistance in. So you got um, a PS3. I got you a PS3. It. I was you pretty, it. and you opened it. Yeah, you, you didn't but, go straight to eBay. You opened it. Up. No, no, I opened it up and I set it set up. And up. I was, but it kind of set in that day that like, dude, I spent seven hundred dollars on a console. Seven hundred dollars. <laughs> That's a lot of money, right? Yeah. And Amy's telling me Christmas is coming up. <laughs> so, right. like, oh yeah, yeah. So I hooked it up. I went through this painful update process to even update it. It takes for like a couple hours. So you plug it in. It takes a couple hours. Like an hour and a half, I think, to get everything oh. ready to go. I played Resistance mm-hmm. for a couple hours, and I was like, it's just like Half-Life 2, and I wasn't really that impressed. <laughs> I looked at the online stuff. It wasn't didn't really exist. Now, you know. now before before this came out, I'm, we, looked, we were looking at all the ads and all the movie, you know, the trailers were yeah. coming out for the PS3, all the reviews, that, and uh, it looked pretty cool. You were pretty psyched about it. I so was, all yeah. That fo- well, all the photo stuff. They had promised all this online functionality and stuff yeah. that's going you know, to equal to Xbox Live, but none of that exists right now. Like, yeah. for example, in Resistance, it's all built by them. The whole friends list, everything, it's in that game. It's just like playing a PS2 online game. Oh, you mean it doesn't go between games? No. It's just in that game? Yeah, it's just in that game. There's nothing like uh, Xbox Live in the PS3, and huh. so that was lame. Uh, I downloaded the demos, like MotorStorm and stuff, but I just... I, MotorStorm demo was not impressive to me. It felt like the frame rate was way off. Like, the control was way disconnected. I played a movie and I wasn't that impressed with it. And I think it's because I had it set to 720p. And apparently, if you have your system set to 720p and the movie's like 1080i or 1080p, it downgrades to 480p because it doesn't yeah. have a scaler. Oh. Right, right. So I think I watched it and I was like, that's not that good. And it was probably because it was 480p. And I went and looked online at Blu-ray movies and there's like nothing out for Blu-ray. There's more HD DVD. So. Doesn't a Blu-ray movie come with it? Yeah, that's what I was saying. I was watching oh, Talladega oh, Nights, okay, okay, and it okay, wasn't okay. wasn't impressive. So I was really bummed, and I felt like, you know, it's like when you buy something, you get this, like, buyer's remorse. I had that, like, for a couple days. I was like, <laughs> I'm just totally bummed about this thing. So. And then you're seeing all these... Uh, Systems going, going on eBay. So but I, Jeff, Jeff, I helped Jeff sell his on eBay. Yeah. We, we originally tried to get it to go out for 2500 and uh, I put it out for a three-day auction and didn't go... Because there's so many... It's so crowded yeah. in the marketplace, and so uh, it wasn't until Monday... We got to re-put it out, and we got, uh, I think, 1400 or 1200 $1, for it. So I, I got really frustrated because I'm like, there's no reason I want this. I even went as far as to try to put Linux on it, and I did get Linux on it. Because I was like, well, there's something I can do that with it. That is pretty cool. Yeah, it was cool. But, I, but like they don't give access to portions of the, the graphics card and stuff, so you can't really do high-end kind of graphic stuff on it yet because they don't want to give people uh-huh. the ability via Linux and stuff, which is weird. Which will come. Yeah, it'll... Yeah, no, I don't yeah. know if it will because Sony's the people that are showing you how to install Linux and stuff, but they're oh. doing it in a protected environment. But anyway, oh, I digress. Okay. Hmm. So yeah. I got all bummed and I'm like, I'm just going to put on Craigslist. I put on Craigslist and it sold like within an hour for fourteen twenty-five. <laughs> so <laughs> good. Which was... That was with the HDMI cable and... Yeah, uh, and, and, and two games. And two I got games, Ridge Racer yeah. 7 and I also got um, Resistant. Yeah. But, though, but you spent 16 hours so that's really not that good. No, it wasn't that good, Tom, but I was 
was just happy. <laughs> I was just happy to actually. You know, it was like the journey was more than the destination in a lot of ways. Yeah. I just enjoyed the whole experience, believe it or not. And I, I got my chance to get a PS3, but I really wasn't that impressed. And I figure it's going to be at least four months or so. Right. I'll probably get one again. I'm just going to wait till the price comes down, maybe, or there's more available. So, so that same day, it was a Sunday. I missed the launch of the Wii, so I was pretty bummed about that. Mm-hmm. But I looked on Craigslist, and one had just shown up for two seventy five, and I snagged it. And yeah. I haven't seen one less than three fifty since. And the guy sold it to me because he. Um, his, he couldn't, sell, he it couldn't sell it on eBay. He didn't have enough feedback, and his wife was upset that he even bought it. So he just wanted <laughs> to get rid of it. And I was the first person in college who just posted it, so I picked up a Wii for two seventy five. Excellent, twenty five bucks over. I'm going to talk more about the Wii and the what we're playing segment. That's basically uh, it. That's my uh, PS3 experience. That's yeah. a great story. It's a great story. I'm sorry I didn't get to play the PS3, or at least look at it before. Uh See, podcast. Now, don't you wish you would have lined up with me, Tom? No, but I wish I would have driven by and sold people coffee. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, it's on to the next segment, which is... What we're playing now. Exactly. Excellent. All right. Now time for what we're playing. All right, and tonight we have uh, Revenant on the on the phone, one of our listeners and uh, on our Xbox 360s friend list. Yep, and he'll be talking about what he's currently playing. How you doing, Revenant? I'm doing good. Welcome to the podcast. All right, so starting it off, Tom, what are you playing? Well, first of all, I got the HD DVD player for the Xbox. That's not a game, Tom. It's not a game, but, but you're it, playing with it. But I've been playing with it. It's a new piece of hardware. I was impressed on how easy it is to set up. It's very very smooth. You just put in the disc. Plug it in, you're good to go. You mean it's a, the King Kong player? Is King that what, Kong, yeah. 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 How Watch is that? King Kong. It looks good. Yeah. Um, you're happy with it, right? I'm very happy with it, although I wouldn't say it's essential, because normal DVDs look pretty good on the Xbox 360. Right. It's not like you're missing out, but um, the HD DVDs, you just don't see any artifacting. You do see greater detail. It looks better. How so, much did you uh, pay for it? That was 200 200 bucks. Yeah. player and that came with the King Kong movie. Nice. I've also been downloading movie trailers and videos and even a TV show or two on the Xbox Marketplace. Oh, it's working now? Because yeah. I know it's broken for a while, right? No, I downloaded an episode of South Park just to try it. How was that? It was good. Downloaded some movie trailers. It's it, good. So it cost they, you a few bucks? Or, yeah. So now, I, one thing I don't get is they say it's like uh, HD quality movies. It is. But yet they're like seven gigs, right? So how's that HD quality? I don't know. But well, it's only you, half hour, right? But no, 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 no. They have full old. movies. Oh, really? I yeah. have not actually downloaded a full movie. Right. But I have downloaded trailers that are HD, and you can tell it's HD. It really does look great. And uh, I don't know. I don't so know just, I think the, they maybe they have better compression than you get like on an HD DVD I guess or that's Blu-ray, possible. It must like be, that. right? And then a couple demos I played. Uh, I played the 360 demo of Sonic the Hedgehog. And nice. Oh no, it's not. It's I told you a couple episodes ago it sucked, but you didn't no, believe me. I didn't believe you because I, I love Sonic and I love Sega and I'm a big fanboy. But and I expected Sonic to be great and I really wanted it to be great. But I played it and it was just it was very irritating. You kept starting over and then falling off the edge. You just falling fall. Off the end. You yeah. have really cheap deaths. The control scheme is really bad. And then I played uh, the demo of Need for Speed Carbon on the 360. That wasn't too bad. I played that. Well, the cars look great. And they have this feature where you can edit the body parts of the car and sort of sculpt it. It's not just picking from presets, but you can sculpt the body of the car. And it's cool. But the thing is, like, first of all, 
the car's handling I didn't think was that good. It, what it reminded me of is, remember that amped snowboarding game on the 360? Yeah. And there's like a little mini game where you can get in a bathtub or a lawn chair and, and go down the hill. That's what it reminded me of. Like, the cars handle like that. They, they handle like steering the bathtub down the snow. <laughs> nice. And then the other thing is, they've, they've tried to put in this new gameplay element where you can ask your teammate to crash into one of the other cars right, yeah. and take them out, uh-huh. which is kind of cool in a way, but it, if you think about it, it doesn't make any sense because if your teammate was so fast that they could just whip right past you and crash into some car that's way ahead of you, why don't they just use that speed to go win the race? Like, why would they do that? It doesn't make any sense. So I was disappointed with that. And then I played the demo of Tony Hawk Project 8 on yeah. the 360, and I really liked that. Yeah, lot. it is a good demo. I it's like good. Too. Um, the, the graphics are great. The thing that really hooked me, though, is they have this new feature where you use the two analog sticks, right. and each yeah. stick is one of your feet, and you can sort of make these custom flip tricks with it. It really is cool. It's great. Really it's cool. Good. Really fun. Okay, so that's the demos. And then also I've been playing... Uh, the main game I've been playing lately on the 360 is Aragon. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Aragon's really fun because it's two-player co-op. I play it with my girlfriend. She loves it. Um, they just have some cool game modes where you have like a dragon riding scenario where player two is the dragon and player one is the rider. So, and, well, I mean, I, I haven't really seen this game at all, so mm-hmm. can you kind of describe it? Is it is it kind of like... Well, I don't know. Most of the game is sort of a hack and slash combat game. So if you remember games like Champions of Norath right, or something yeah. like that, it's like that. Except that was really overhead view, and this is more of a free camera, um, third person, almost like a Tomb Raider kind of thing. But you can play two two player co op. There's a lot of combat and magic, and you can use bow and arrows. Basically, what's cool about it is you can use a lot of different techniques right from the start. Like you don't have to level way up to get. All the things you can use the bow from the beginning. Is it split screen with co-op? No, no, or? it's okay. not split screen. It's like it's like Norath where you're on the same right. screen. Um, so it sort of alternates between there's there's levels where you're both humans and you're both um, going through this adventure. But then on the dragon riding levels, one player is the dragon and the other player is the rider, which makes for a very cool, yeah, cool. two-player dynamic because you're so different. Like, the dragon is the one flying and can breathe fire, but the other person is on their back and can shoot arrows. Nice. So it's really fun. And we've had a lot of fun with that game. I've also been playing a little uh, Defender on 360 nice. Arcade. I've forgotten how hard that game is. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. It's a great game, but it's, it's hard. It's fun, though. And I went back and played a little more Texas Hold'em on the 360 Arcade. It told me you were winning quite a bit. The funny thing was, I started playing a tournament, and my girlfriend and I had to leave to go to a party, so I said, well, you know, I don't want to just quit the game. I want to get something, but I'll just try to lose. So I'll just go all in on every hand until I lose. Well, I kept going in all in every hand. And every hand, either everybody else would fold or I would win. And I was trying to lose, That's but it, great. it wasn't working. And you I should kept try winning. that in Vegas, and I it, think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it would work in Vegas, but it worked here. And I actually wound up winning the whole tournament by trying to lose on purpose. It was very that's strange. sweet. And that's me. So, uh, so what's up, Dave? What have you been playing? Dave. Well, uh, I've been painting my bedroom. All right. Well, that's not a very and, fun game. And, uh, do you, do you and, get an Xbox achievement for that? No, I, I should though. But you know, um, make t- tracks wasn't the name of the game where you painted stuff. Make tracks. Anyway. <laughs> I, you know, before the podcast night, Chris had us over a little early, and we uh, played with the uh, with his Wii. <laughs> <laughs> he set up set up his Nintendo Wii, and we all tried it out, and mm-hmm. I'm hooked. I, I I was a little ambivalent about getting a 360, but I want one of these things. So it was fun playing with my Wii, Dave? I was really fun playing with 
that, that joke's not going to get old no, anytime never. soon. <laughs> and, maybe it will. Uh, yeah, it was really awesome. Uh, yeah. It was. You, you, it was. It was real. So, real so what was fun. your favorite game we played? I'm gonna. Well, I think the uh, the tennis looked really fun, even though Woody was the guy who played it. And it was. That was a lot that of fun. That looked like a lot of fun. Um, Woody was getting into putting the spin on the ball and everything. It was great. <laughs> I noticed that I was, my, my bowling uh, uh, scores were much uh, higher. My, I got a lot more strikes when before you told me how to spin the ball. Yeah, well. Yeah. And now, now they're all... I have to do some more practice. Anyway. Yeah. That's, yeah. So that's pretty much what I've done. I'm, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to stop by Target on the way home. And, and, and try see, to pick up a Wii. And see if they have one. It'll probably be too late, but... Yeah. Uh, I'm, that's what They've I'm, been getting them every Sunday. So if you don't get one tonight, just go, head there a little bit early next Sunday. Yeah. Like when I was there a couple Sundays ago, there was only like three people in line. So you're pretty much guaranteed to get one. You just gotta get, I got there like two hours before they opened. So. I got to wait in line? You got to wait in line, dude. Man, I'm not going to do that. All right. Well, I'll wait in line for you. Oh, <laughs> awesome. I'm used to it now. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Revenant, what have you been playing? Um, I played the Project 8 demo. It was, it was good. The nail the trick the thing with the two sticks. Yeah, that's that's fun, huh? That's pretty fun. I downloaded Contra on the, in the arcade. And I've been having problems like I've been having problems with my friend like playing co-op with each other. It's just weird. Oh really? Yeah. So what's been happening? Like we'll be, like everything will be fine. Like everything's been fine for the first level, and then once we hit like the second level, it'll look like I'm doing something else. Like I'll be below him when he's on top but then we're really right next to each other and it looks like we're playing with two completely different people that's weird yet Gears of War works fine (laughs) yeah that's because Gears of War is such a more simpler game yeah exactly (laughs) so simplistic (laughs) Contra is so complex (laughs) it just doesn't have the bandwidth for Contra yeah Yeah. Well, I know that uh, when uh, Gears of War came out like the first day Revenant's like already done with it uh, I think you finished yeah. it on co-op. I saw. I was like, "Geez, yeah. no time at all." And you're already done. <laughs> I was gonna say, "Have you done it on the highest level yet?" Yeah. What is that? Insane. Yeah, insane. Did that? Don't do it by yourself. You you won't get anywhere. Play with a friend. Yeah. Well, I keep trying to get Tom to play it, but he's never around. Like I see him show up for a second, and then he, I think he sees that I'm online and logs right no, off. No, it's he's because like, I start watching a movie, Chris, because okay. I got an HD DVD player. Okay, well, you need to start gaming, dude. <laughs> I need somebody to play with me on insane difficulty, so if anybody out there wants I'll, to go through co-op... I'll uh, do it. Because Tom it. will never do it, no, and I just will. says he will. I uh, will. Just let me know. <laughs> what else What else you been playing? Uh... Rainbow Six Vegas. Just got it yesterday, last night. Yeah, that's supposed to be awesome. I hear it's a lot like Gears of War. Is that? No, no, it's not. The only thing that makes it like it's Gears of War is the over the shoulder and the cover. Like when you get into the cover, that's like Gears of War. Right. Do you think the cover system in uh, Rainbow Six works better than it does in Gears of War? Because I know in Gears of War, you know, the A button, sometimes you'll be running, then you stick to a wall. But I know with uh, Rainbow Six, you know, you have to pull the left trigger to actually go into cover. What did you find was uh, more intuitive and worked better? The Rainbow Six, just because you can just run up, hold it, and you don't have to push another button to get out. You can just let go, and you're out. It's much easier. Yeah. And I bought Final Fantasy Eleven few days ago play with some friends or whatever it's all right that's cool how is that I, i've been playing those for a while not that one though it's okay it's, it's not 
it's no World of Warcraft, but it works. Right. You're talking about the 360 version that's like the 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 massively multiplayer, not 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 Final Fantasy 12 that just came out, but Final Fantasy 11 online, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Final Fantasy 11, the MMO. That's about it. I don't really play anything else lately. So what are you looking forward to? I know that you're always looking out there. Lost Planet, is that the one you want, or is it Blue Dragon? Um, Lost Planet, Yeah, definitely. Blue Dragon really doesn't catch my interest. Yeah, I kind of agree. Although, I did see the uh, the uh, Blue Dragon box art and stuff, and it looks pretty cool. <laughs> Have you seen the, the video from Blue Dragon that's on some of the demo discs? Uh-uh. It, it looks good, but uh, it looks like um, Dragon Quest or something. It looks it's It's kind of, you know, the childlike characters right and, yeah that's yeah. well, something different for the 360 though yeah definitely yeah i am looking forward to what is it i now i can't remember what the name of it is is another game coming out of japan oh it's the uh, the other rpg you mean there's like the two rpgs there's yeah, the a other RPG. dragon yeah the other one looked pretty good what, what was the name of that we talked about that at our i can't remember what our e3 show there's two rpgs coming out and, that, and there's the other one's a much darker looking RPG. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, I don't remember the name of it is. Me neither. How about uh, Woody? What are you playing? Well, I just recently got a hand-me-down Xbox 1.0 from a friend. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Welcome to the last generation. Thank you. I don't have Xbox Live yet, but I, <laughs> welcome to the previous generation yeah. of video gaming. <laughs> well, it, it would have been good to play with your friends, but they're not playing on it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the, and the best part is he gave me a bunch of games. I know there's a bunch of these, you know, excellent games that I've never played before. Uh, Rainbow Six. He has. He gave me Splinter Cell. Um, but of course. The only one I've really spent time playing is um, Midway Arcade Classics. <laughs> so I've been playing Joust, Defender, Paperboy. Awesome. Um, it doesn't great. have Galaga, which is disappointing. But yeah. Um, but anyway, just a bunch Wait, of that. You could always go for Blinks the Time Sweeper. That's a, that's a big one. That's yeah. a big hitter. I fired up my old my old version one Xbox uh, a little bit ago, and I those graphics aren't bad. It's, it's no, they're not bad. It's like a. It's not, it's not something the funny thing is though I play like I turned on my Xbox the other day just to make sure it still worked yeah. and and I fired up like NCAA football yeah. and compared it to the new one I'm like oh this is not even comparable yeah. I mean it <laughs> seemed like it was pretty good but then when I compared them side by side I was like no nah, yeah, yeah. No. well obviously but it's still a good no it's, it's good not bad it's pretty good and actually I played Call of Duty uh, 3 on it recently and it, it looked okay but compared to the 360 I just yeah. it's funny though you know you like, I go back and play the old games now, and it's like, how do you even play this? Because the graphics are kind of, not the Xbox, but when you go way back to oh, yeah, some, yeah. like, where they try to do, like, 3D-type environments, you're like, dude, I can't even play this game. It's just right, like, yeah. but, you know. Because we're spoiled now. But. We're spoiled, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's it for me, just on that. So, so Chris, how about your Wii? How, well, I'll get to my <laughs> Wii in a second, but it's been kind of like an all-Nintendo... I guess month for me. I've been playing a lot of uh, the DS and specifically playing Elite Beat Agents, which is kind of weird. I don't usually play those right, kind of games. It's like a rhythm game. Yeah, rhythm game. Yeah, you showed yeah. me that. I was. It looked like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's kind of like Guitar Hero, but on the touchscreen. But it's kind of mm-hmm. crazy because they use like this old music. Like the yeah, there's some pop music and it's kind of crazy game. And it's just it's all about being able to tap in the right sequence. But mm-hmm. the game ramps up in difficulty really really fast. <laughs> so uh, I mean, there's a so you got to be pretty good. And uh, and if you mess up like during the song, you have to start over. So that's kind of frustrating. But overall, the game's pretty addictive and it's a good pick up game. Like I'll be at work or something and I need to do something for a minute to to think about something else right. and I'll just you know tap on that for a while. So I'm playing that at work every once in a while. And uh, obviously, I got I got a Wii, 
So we talked about that earlier, yeah. how I got that. Yeah. But I've been you playing. Gotta wait. Well, we could take a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I think that's about enough. <laughs> that's about that's about good with the weed jokes. But so yeah, um, so Thanksgiving, uh, my sister came over and her son, and uh, they were, we all like my my father too and my mom. We all played you know on on the nin- Nintendo Wii, and uh, <laughs> it was a blast, dude. Like we played uh, bowling quite a bit and all the other games. And yeah, it that seems, was fun. You know, like you hear that like you know non gamers will play this. Although my dad's a gamer, but uh, but everybody there did play it. They were like totally into it, and it was kind of right. crazy. You know, everybody who's played it and left wants to get a Wii. I want to get a Wii. <laughs> <laughs> See. See? <laughs> Chris, when we, were, when we were playing in your living room, you told us that since you got the Wii, you haven't even really played the 360. Well, the is deal, that true? Oh, well, the only reason, I mean, it's not for Wii Sports. It's <laughs> that I've been playing Zelda. And, okay. like, every minute I get, I, I want to play Zelda. I don't know why, dude. Like, I haven't played a Zelda for a long time. I, I skipped Wind Waker, which I probably shouldn't have done, but, uh, you know, I haven't played since the Nintendo 64. So just playing a Zelda game and getting into it. It's just that kind of, I want to finish it, right? And I know if I don't finish it, you know, it's like a 70-hour game. If I don't keep playing it, I'm probably never going to finish it. So I just, right. I need to keep focused, you know, and uh, and finish the game. So I've just been attacking it any uh, chance I get. So uh, as far as Zelda goes, it's an awesome game, but I still think they have a broken save system that they should fix at some point. What, what's wrong with it? So it's kind of like all the other Zeldas where you'll go into a dungeon, and then like if I quit and come back... You, it still remembers what you've kind of done within the dungeon, but you have to start at the beginning of the dungeon. It doesn't save your point in the dungeon. Oh. So you have to backtrack. So what they do is there's this little character dude who you can mark in the dungeon before you save, and then you can jump back to him telling me, well, I want to go back in the dungeon where I was. So it's this kind of weird save system. Mm-hmm. And it's not that big a deal, but it's kind of annoying. The other thing that's kind of weird about it, too, is, like, to pull a sword out and to use a sword, you just, like, swing the sword, you know, swing the nunchuck, or not the nunchuck, swing the controller, yeah, Mm -hmm. the Wiimote. And so a lot of times I'll be about to go into battle and I don't have my sword out. I'm like, what button do I push to get my sword out? I just, I'll freeze from it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to swing my stupid Wiimote. So it's kind of funny, (laughs) uh, that transition. But, um, and I finally, today, I finally got my component cable for my Wii, uh, which, if I don't know if you guys have heard, but... Nintendo didn't stock those really at all, and they've been going on eBay for over hundred dollars. They were <laughs> just for the component cable. Yeah. What'd you pay for yours? Oh, just if you get through Nintendo, it's like twenty nine bucks okay. or something like yeah. that. So <laughs> it finally came. It's been like three weeks, so I'm happy. Haven't hooked it up yet, but I'm pretty psyched about that. That's probably one of the biggest negatives is they didn't have extra Wii motes, extra nunchucks, mm. component cables. Like they weren't ready for people to actually buy the system. So it's kind of mm. disturbing, but. It's it's really cool. The built-in Wi-Fi is nice. Building Mies are nice. I've got like Achilles from our forum. His Mies have moved over to my system. Other people's friends, friends of mine, their Mies, they're the little characters you create that kind of look like people have moved to my system. Your avatars. Right. Yeah. So when you're playing like Wii Sports, they'll show up in the game. So you'll see people you know like playing in the game. It's <laughs> yeah. kind of crazy. So That's cool. Yeah. And I, I've been playing Madden on the Wii. So, And I, I will just say the first experience I had on the Wii that was totally kind of crazy is I, I popped in Wii Sports and I played baseball and it was just amazing to me. I didn't think that it would know as much as it does about what you're doing like because I was like shaking the bat like I really do in real life and my, my character on the screen was doing exactly the same motion. <laughs> I was really impressed by that. It was able to mimic that kind of motion mm-hmm. in the game. So, yeah. So mm-hmm. I, And I played Madden on the Wii too a little bit. I bought that but, uh, but haven't really dug into that because i've been playing too much zelda <laughs> you're hooked now so that's pretty much what i've been playing so we'll see you in another 60 hours of zelda <laughs> 
I don't know. I hear that like most people like at the rate I'm going, I think I'll finish it in about 45 hours uh-huh. uh, based on the, I'm like in the third dungeon right now and I'm 16 hours in. So uh-huh. something like that. So hopefully, I don't know, maybe that's behind, maybe it's ahead of pace. I don't know, but I'm thinking maybe around 45, 50 hours I'll be done. So yeah. I'm thinking Christmas break, you know, that's really <laughs> when I'm going to rack up the Zelda hours. So that's pretty much what I've been playing. All right. Cool. Well, thanks a lot, Revenant, for joining us tonight and for uh, listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it. And you always have interesting things to say in the forum, so thanks for participating. No problem. All right. Well, I guess that does it for this segment. What's next? News you can use. Time for the news. All right. So what are we talking about this time, Tom? Well, in the news, first of all, we got the awards from the Spike Gaming Awards. Spike Gaming. That's pretty uh, pretty big time, isn't it? Spike Gaming Awards. Yeah. I didn't watch this year, but last year, it well, it has been the on most yet, embarrassing... Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all I know is it was the most embarrassing thing for the game industry. It was, it was terrible. Right. All right. Well, after that... You know, glowing introduction. With that buildup, how can we fail? <laughs> so it, I don't think it airs until like this Thursday or something like that. Maybe something like that. But but the results are already in because they've already recorded it. Oh, really? See, they have to spend all that time to edit it. It's just like a podcast. They record it, they edit it, then they, they leak it. Yeah, leak they leak the results. We... Yeah. Oh. And I cut out a bunch of categories, but uh, Tom, why don't you introduce them just like uh, you would in the award show? Sure. So uh, <laughs> first category is. <laughs> For best game based on a movie or TV show, All right. the finalists are Scarface, Sopranos, Lego Star Wars 2, Godfather, and The Family Guy. So what do you guys think? Uh, oh, we got to like pick them? Do we yeah. get, this is like a pool? Do we get like a win No, just guess. Just take a guess. Okay, well, Lego Star Wars. Yeah, all right. I agree. And the winner is... Yes, it's Lego, Lego Star, Star Wars, Wars 2. So that's the best game based on a movie or TV show. Lego Star Wars 2, the original trilogy. And that, I really enjoy this game. I it's, agree. It's that's probably, I think that should have won, and it won. And next in best RPG, we have Elder Scrolls Oblivion, Final Fantasy XII, Kingdom Hearts 2, and Valkyrie Profile 2, Silmaria. Well, the only one I've played is Kingdom Hearts 2, so I'm voting for that. I, I mean, i got to go for Oblivion. I, I read it on the Tom's notes over the shoulder. <laughs> I have to go for Oblivion as well. Well, the winner is Oblivion. <laughs> Oblivion is a good game, but as I noted in previous podcasts, it's it's a bit buggy for my. On taste. the 360 version, right? This is this is all versions, Tom. Right. So. I'm not going to look at the next one, so go ahead, Tom. Okay, so for for the best PC game, the nominees are Half Life Two, Battlefield 2142, Star Wars Empire at War, Elder Scrolls for Oblivion. And Company of Heroes. Did they still make PC games? I guess they do. <laughs> I'm going to guess Half Life Two. Dave, what do you think? I let me let me see the just the nominees again. I, there you go. There you go. Perfect. Uh, I, I and I do hope you're reading these in random order. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna guess Battlefield 2142. The winner is Company of Heroes. <laughs> Company of Heroes. Actually, that game is supposed to be really good. A game I haven't, I haven't played. played yeah. It. Has anyone played it? I've never no, heard of it. No, a lot of people have played it. It's supposed to be really, really good. But I haven't played it. I don't believe him. <laughs> I play a lot of consoles. I didn't even know they made PC games, so <laughs> it shows you what I know. Aren't PCs just for spreadsheets? I believe stuff? so. Yes, okay. Visit, visit Calc or something. Visit Calc, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, best multiplayer game. We've got uh, Ghost Recon: Advanced Warfighter, 
Gears of War, Splinter Cell Double Agent, Metal Gear Solid 3, and Company of Heroes. Metal Gear Solid 3 has a multiplayer? I didn't know that. I didn't know that had a multiplayer. <laughs> yeah, I guess it does. <laughs> uh, just because it's the coolest one I've seen, Gears of War. Yeah, Gears of War. You guys are right, because it is Gears of War. <laughs> it's Gears of War. <laughs> All right. Best multiplayer game. All so, right. best handheld game. Uh, we've got Grand Theft Auto Vice City Stories, New Super Mario, Loco Roco, Tetris DS, and Brain Age. You can never beat Mario. I'm going to say Brain Age. And the winner is uh, New Super Mario, which is oh. a very good game. I don't think it's um, the best Actually, game. I'm not... Yeah, Brain Age isn't that good It doesn't game. matter if uh, Mario hasn't changed from the original Nintendo. It's still always going to be the best. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I love my Mario. All right, so for the best shooter... We've got Gears of War, Black, Prey, Half-Life 2, Episode 1, and Call of Duty 3. Oh. Half-Life 2 or Gears, that's tough. Episode 1, Half-Life like, 2, Episode 1. Uh, I'm going to go with Gears. Yeah, it's almost like you're like voting for Star Wars when it first came out in the, in the Oscars. It's going to be Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. I'm going to say Gears as well. And the winner is Gears of War. Oh, you guys yes. are pretty good. Yeah. You guys are good. Okay. This is hard. Now, here, here's an interesting one. Best action game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we got New Super Mario Brothers, which has already won one award. <laughs> Okami, which is a favorite of mine. Dead Rising, Bully, and Saints Row. Okay, Another I gotta favorite. say, is, is Okami an action game? Yeah, I was gonna say, what's the category? Okami's like a, it's like a fantasy adventure game. It's not yeah, an you do game. combat though. I think there is but some combat in Okami, but, but yeah, it's not it's, an action. It's, it's not Dead Rising. It's sort of borderline action game. This man. is a weird and category. Two D scroller. 3D, like, uh, you know, fighting with Dead Rising, and then so, you got like, uh, adventure. Run, run the names by board real quick. Okay, uh, Dead Rising, New Super Mario, Okami, Saints Row, and Bully. I've heard good things about Bully, um, but I know Okami has been a critic's favorite. Okami's I'm going favorite. to guess Okami. If it were up to me, it would be Okami, but no. Uh, Dave I, I, didn't I, get to guess. I was no. going to say the English patient. <laughs> <laughs> no, no uh, um... I'm, I'm Saints Row, just to guess. Something. <laughs> no, the the winner is Dead Rising, which no. was a good game. A hey, good it game. was it was definitely. I, a good I game. think Okami or Bully should have won this category, but Dead Rising was a good game. Although Dead Rising is probably the best action game out of the bunch, since I don't really <laughs> consider the other ones action. But. Right, just a bizarre category. Okay, so the next category is Critics' Choice, and this is for games that were released after eleven fifteen. So. Oh, cool. that's because basically all the other ones were already done, new? and yeah. then these were released. But they wanted to get them in there because there's some really good games. And so here's here's what here, here's what they are. Go ahead, Tom. So the nominees are for Critics' Choice: Rainbow Six <laughs> Vegas, Wii Sports, which we just played, uh, Medieval Two: Total War, Resistance: Fall of Man, and Legend of Zelda: Twilight Princess. Ooh. I gotta say, I gotta go with Wii Sports. That thing is phenomenal. I mean, it's it's so simple. It's you know, it's so simple. It's almost you know, it's the yeah. add-in game. But man, that's fun. I'm gonna have to. Well, geez. I mean, having played that, it is pretty cool. But I don't think it's gonna be a critic's choice unless they're it's you know out of the novelty. So what do you go with, Dave? I'm gonna go with uh, uh, Zelda. And Dave is right. It it's is Zelda. Zelda, of course. Woody, what do you think? <laughs> Wii Sports over Zelda? All right. It was, okay. So I was picking my critic's choice. Oh, I am yeah. the critic. Okay. That's my choice. And right. now, finally, drum roll, we, we get to game. Yeah. Game of the year. <laughs> game of the year. Okay. So the nominees for game of the year are, some of these will be familiar, Okami, Gears of War, yeah. Oblivion, Guitar Hero 2, and Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter. And I think, wasn't there another game in there, too? 
I don't think so. Oh, that, that was, was like it. Pico Chat or something like that. Pico Chat? Yeah, that was Game of the Year. <laughs> no. Those are the nominees. What do you guys think? Uh, if they don't mind giving it to multiple, giving multiple awards to the same game, it's a Gears of War. If they want to spread it out, Okami. Uh, Titanic. Titanic. <laughs> no, okay. Gears have- of War. It's going to be Dyke. Gears of War. Oh, you guys know it's uh, it's Oblivion. Oblivion. No, yeah. no. <laughs> uh, yeah. I kind of agree with that. I mean, it it was a really big game, you know, and it, it seemed fun. So maybe an maybe. RPG that isn't massively multiplayer online isn't isn't worth anything anymore. That's just my personal opinion. <laughs> right, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell Bethesda that. Now, did they have any categories, Chris, for racing games? Oh, they did. They, I just didn't put them in. Oh, okay. I was like, I don't want those boring categories anyway. <laughs> oh, okay. There's one for Best Vixen, too, or something like that. Best Vixen? And what won that? Uh, let's see. Who was it? It'd be one of the ones I, from I think it might Dead have been Alive. the woman from uh, Half-Life. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know what I'm talking about? I can't yeah, I would have voted for that one in Rumble Roses. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I guess, I guess Princess Peach was in there, too, which was kind of really? an odd entry. That's a vixen. And Tomb Raider and then yeah. Laura Croft. She's always teasing him. Yeah, Alex from, or I think his name's <laughs> Alex from, uh, from Half-Life or whatever. whatever. Okay. All right, so the next news story after that is that the Xbox becomes the X console. Just in time for Woody to get one. Yeah. yeah. So, so what's that? Just as Woody gets one. uh, All right, so can you explain what what that means, Tom? Okay, so according to the official release schedules, uh, (laughs) third-party developers like Ubisoft, Sega, Midway, Activision, and Vivendi have no planned future Xbox releases. Well, well, at least it wasn't any of the big publishers. (laughs) (laughs) So the uh, European president of Sega, Mike Hayes, said, quote, sales on Xbox have fallen dramatically in the last six months. It no longer represents a viable platform for us. There's still plenty of games to play, Woody. Don't look so sad. Well, but I'm crushed. They'll be cheap. There, <laughs> there's some names that are not in that list, like EA. So I guess there will be a Madden 2008 and 2009, 2010. No, they said that the only uh, big budget games still uh, listed are Avatar, The Last Airbender from THQ, Medal of Honor Heroes from EA, so there's an EA game, and 2K Games film tie-in Ghost Rider. But those are all subject to uh, being canceled. So Wow. So it's pretty sad. I mean, anytime a console kind of dies, I always get this weird kind of feeling, especially after playing it for a ton, and you just kind of feel bad. I still feel bad for the Dreamcast. Like, I know that machine never... You still want more games for the Commodore 64. I do. Yeah. <laughs> if I could get some more Commodore games... I'd... That'd be so awesome. It, so it's sad, because like, the Xbox was a great console, and I just feel like its life was really cut short. Because the PS2 and even the GameCube are still going. You know, right. why did the Xbox have to die so soon? Because it was really a superior technically, you know, machine. So, right. I sense a Microsoft conspiracy. Could I don't be. know about you. Could be. They want everybody to well, move to 360. The 360 is awfully success- successful. And especially in Japan, yeah. it's successful, Dave. Or or is it, Tom? Well, <laughs> nice segue. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Degenki Online has some pictures. Who? Degenki Online. All right. Has some pictures of uh, people lining up for the sold out Blue Dragon bundle. Where are they the lining up? In Akihabara in Where Tokyo. In Japan? Yeah, in Japan. Oh, crazy. So I don't know if you guys know, Akihabara is like the big electronics district in Tokyo where a lot of the electronics stores are and you can buy all sorts of gadgets and stuff. That's, that's sort of where you go to buy. Video games, computers, stuff like that. So, uh, people who do purchase the limited edition Blue Dragon Xbox 360 bundle in Japan get some exclusive swag, like a limited edition faceplate and figure set. And the Core System bundle will be about 
what do they say? 29,800 yen, which is about $250 US. So check this out. Core system for $250 plus Blue Dragon plus, plus the, the faceplate face plus these little miniature What's things. Up What's with that? That's a great it's, deal. It's cheaper than it is here. It's cheaper than just the core system here, which is well, 300. See, they're trying to push their sales up into the triple digits so they can beat the sales of the Xbox in Japan. <laughs> All right, well, that's, that's probably true. Now, have you seen the Blue Dragon faceplate, Tom? I'm I'm not a faceplate yeah, guy, it. but it, it looks it awesome, looks cool. you know, it does and look cool. Maybe people will send me one for free, like they sent you uh, Saints Row yeah, maybe. one. But maybe, yeah. probably not. I, I still love that Saints Row. I want those cheap <laughs> Xboxes. I, I just need a new Xbox. I need a Xbox. You want to buy a Japanese Xbox? Probably not. No, I mean, okay. not many games you can play on that. It's region locked. Oh, what, what am I thinking? All right. So the next story is that you can stream many video audio formats to your 360. So I guess we've talked about it on the podcast before, where you can uh, stream uh, WMV files yeah. to your 360 and that kind of stuff. Well, I found this. Uh, announcement of this product called Tiversity, and what it essentially does is you install it on your computer. It's a replacement for a Windows Media Player or whatever the sharing thing is that uh, you can install on your PC to share files to the 360. I don't remember what it's called anymore, but but this replaces it and allows you to stream many other formats besides just WMV. So you can stream DivX, XVID, and what it will do is transcode that video on the fly and send it to your 360. So your 360 still thinks it's playing WMVs. Yeah, it, it thinks it is, but yeah, it's transcoding on the fly using this Tiversity tool. And it's really cool. How, do, how do, does it, Have you tried it? Does it work? Because yeah, the problem great. with transcoding is always if you don't have a fast enough machine. Yeah, you have to yeah. have a pretty decent machine. Right. So I have a fast enough machine and you also, you adjust the resolution so like, I think the max I sent mine to is like 800 by 600, which is still pretty good right, quality. Right, So I watched a couple of movies in, in DivX format and it looked great. So um, the other cool thing about it is this program Tiversity does a lot more. Like you can feed it RSS feeds and all of those feeds like, for example, I put our podcast in and all the episodes of Twitch Asylum oh, cool. showed up and I could stream those while I was playing games. Not that I would listen to myself but it was just an example. <laughs> so I put other But you guys should. Yeah, but, yeah. But you really should listen yeah, to yourself. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I, I put a bunch of other podcasts in and even video pod, blog, podcasts I was able to stream and watch on my 360. So this thing's it's kind of a not exactly plug and play but I have a forum post that details how to install it on your machine right. step by step and you guys should really give it a shot if you want to look at these other formats on your uh, on your 360. This got me excited. I was another reason to get the 360. Yep, it's definitely cool. All right, and the final news story is not really a game news story at all. What is it, Tom? Well, all three Lord of the Rings films are going to be airing in HD on TNT, and that'll start on December 15th. No, so on December 15th, they're going to show all three movies, and that'll be the first time that... that um, the Return of the King is actually shown on any, at, on any broadcast. But they are showing the other two films right now in HD. I saw the last couple nights, I saw the first two movies in the series. Now, what's really cool about this is these aren't going to be released in HD DVD format for, they say, probably at least another year, maybe longer. So this is really the only chance you'll get to see them in HD and I know a lot of people with 360s out there have HD TVs now. Right. So it's a really cool thing if you have cable or if you have satellite to take advantage of yeah. uh, of it. So and if you have TiVo, you can record it. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know if you guys can hear this, but like it is really raining ridiculously <laughs> hard outside, and I feel like the the Chris's house is about to be washed away or something. Yeah. Well, Weird. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it'll be washed away, Tom. But <laughs> <laughs> if it does, then this podcast will never go out, and you would never hear this anyway. So True. So, all right. So, uh, check those, check out the Lord of the Rings films if you have an HD and you have cable or satellite because they look really good. I saw one and it was pretty amazing. 
All right, well, it's on to the next segment, which is... Retro Respect. What are we talking about this time, Tom? Nintendo. And here we go, part one of two. All right, it's time for the Retro Respect section. What are we talking about this time, Tom? Well, this is part one of our history of Nintendo. Part one of two? Of, we think two. It it depends on how tired we get. Yeah. It might be one of four. No, no, it's one of two. So to start out, let me just say that before this show, to get ready, I took an informal survey of some of my friends, and I went around and asked them, what year do you think Nintendo started? And every single person said something along the lines of, well, it was probably like 1979 or 1980 or early 70s or something like that. I would guess 40s. Well, the people who said 1980 were off by about 100 years because (laughs) Nintendo started in 1889. Right. (laughs) A long time ago. What, what, What did they do? What was their... Well, they started out selling... Was it, was it cards? They sell, Yeah, they sold playing cards. Okay. And it wasn't just... It wasn't like the playing cards we have. It was a special type of playing cards called Hanafuda, which is a Japanese card game where you kind of match the different symbols together. It's sort of like a... It's hard to explain, but you can play it either solitaire, in which case it becomes sort of like a, that Mahjong tile pairing solitaire. Or you can also play a multiplayer game, which is sort of like Mahjong. So I guess initially these cards were kind of sold just for fun, right? But yeah. eventually they were uh, used by the Yakuza, which is the Japanese mafia for high-stakes games. It was the Pokemon of its time. Right. Right. So the founder of Nintendo was uh, Fusajiro Yamauchi, and he lived in Kyoto. And he started making these cards, and he handmade the original cards using bulk from mulberry trees that were in his backyard. Yep. So it was a very uh, homegrown operation at first, right. very small scale. And yeah, the uh, the Yakuza started using the, the cards, and, and that increased demand for them. They of became course. very popular. Were, were they playing the cards? Or? Yeah, they were playing cards. Okay. Well, I think, it wasn't uh, like I think, for some secret messaging. I think they were just using them for holding card games with regular people, making money, you know, just like gambling. Uh, and kind of stuff. Hosting. So, yeah, so... Yeah. So, so I guess, and I guess between each game, people demanded that they have a completely new card set. <laughs> so that's why the the demand increased a lot for these cards. So it was a it was, that was a bonus for them. Exactly, the Yakuza. Exactly, it was a good thing. So in 1907, Nintendo started to manufacture and sell Western playing cards in Japan as well. Yep, they were the first company I think to do that in Japan. Um, later on, in 1929. Uh, Fusajiro retires, and a new guy, uh, Sekiro Kaneda, marries Fusajiro's daughter, and he took the last name Yamauchi and took over as the second president of Nintendo. And at this point, Nintendo is the largest playing card company in Japan. So they continue selling playing cards. That's really their main business. And then in 1949, Hiroshi Yamauchi takes the office as president. Now, he's actually the grandson of the second president. Sekiro. Sekiro. Uh, his father actually ran away when Hiroshi was five, so they skipped a generation in in uh, leadership in leadership of of Nintendo, which is pretty interesting. And uh, I guess at this point, um, 
Hiroshi knew that he wasn't really welcomed by the current employees at Nintendo. So what he did is he just started firing all the employees that questioned questioned his authority, which is really a good approach, I believe. <laughs> is that the Kim Jong Il approach? <laughs> oh. oh no! I don't know about that. But in if the peons are going to be insubordinate, that's the only way to take care of business. That's true. Well, in 1951, work. they changed the name of the company to Nintendo Playing Cards Company Limited, which makes sense. They were selling playing cards. And in 53, they modernized the process and introduced plastic-coated playing cards. So no longer were they making them from uh, bark of mulberry trees. I guess they were using <laughs> some so. uh, some modernized process in uh, plastic-coated playing cards. Uh, by the way, I should say that the game of Hanafuda, you can download various Hanafuda. It's H-A-N-A-F-U-D-A, I believe. So if you search on that in a Google search, you can probably download some games to, to try this out. Um, in 1959, uh, they negotiated a deal with Disney to let Nintendo produce Disney character-themed playing cards. And I think those were a huge success, and they sold around 600,000 packs that same year. So wow, that's pretty. Yeah. That's a lot of cards. That's a lot of cards. Disney characters are popular. So in 1963, they changed the name once again to Nintendo Company Limited, and they decided to focus on producing games, toys, and various other items instead of just playing cards. Yeah, and another really important thing to note is that Hiroshi opened what he called what I guess it was a love hotel, and it was able to be rented by the hour. So, yeah, and these still exist in Japan. There's, right. a, there's a bunch of Did hotels. you go to one, Tom? Or? I have been to some, yeah. <laughs> Did you went to a love hotel? Yeah, with my girlfriend. Yeah, oh, okay. Uh, so, and so it's a place you rent by the hour to go with a, a companion. Yeah, and a lot of the rooms have like weird themes, like the room will be decorated like a spaceship or a train car or some crazy thing. And it's not a brothel. No, it's not a brothel because you you know it's they, just a hotel. They don't provide the. Uh, they don't provide the, the partner. You you. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's in different you. parts of the town, Tom. That you, didn't, <laughs> you didn't go to apparently. So what what's kind of interesting is that Hiroshi was a big customer also of the hotel, even though he's married. So uh, I don't know what that says, but I guess his wife even knew of his visits to the Love Hotel. So it's just well, interesting. Well, it's just quality control because he quality, yeah he needed to test it. <laughs> <laughs> Hands on, you know. There's no other way. So then in uh, 1969, Nintendo established their first games department, and they came up with a pretty ingenious name. What did they call it, Tom? Uh, they called it Games. All right. Well, that's a good name. I would like to be in that meeting. Like, what should we call our games department? Um, how about games? <laughs> well, should we take a vote? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, 1970, <laughs> there was a new employee, uh, Gunpei Yokoi, and he was told to, quote, do something good for the Christmas shopping season. Which, uh, that makes sense. Well, do something good. That's a pretty vague... Uh, <laughs> recommendation but he created an expansion arm toy called the ultra hand yeah and the ultra hand how do you explain that it's kind of like a lattice looking like you see what you see the picture there yeah yeah it's it's sort of a i remember this actually you had an ultra hand i think well i don't know if i had one but i remember seeing this when i was a kid it's this strange. Um, it expands. I, I it it looks like, like the like thing a, Wiley Coyote yeah. used to put a boxing glove on the end of and try and punch <laughs> yes. the road right away. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to. Yeah, say. something from cartoons. It has this sort of latticework expansion thing that reminds me of like uh, those expanding gates that you can put across right. a doorway. Yeah. Um, but it has like this gripping thing on the end, so you can actually have it reach out and grab onto something. Yeah, I guess it came with a couple things that you could pick up. And so drop. are we going to have a picture of this or a link to it on the site, I think? Probably not, no. Yeah. Okay. Well, we should. It's hard to explain. But anyway, this sold 1.2 million copies. So this is like the 1970s version of a uh, video game. <laughs> it wasn't a video game. Okay. Well, well, they didn't have video. They just 
pick yeah. these things up and move yeah. them yeah. over. Um, okay, Dave. <laughs> yeah. So, in 1971, uh, Gunpei went on to create more great toys, including the Ultra, Ultra machine, machine, which was a baseball-throwing machine, and a little periscope called the Ultrascope. Yeah, he made lots of Ultra things. And he also created this thing called the Love Tester that became big in Japan. And it, you would have two people hold the machine's handles, and it would read the amount of love flowing between you. It wasn't really accurate, though. It just... It wasn't? No, I, they said it was just electrical current flowing between them. That's all. I'm so disappointed. So yeah. if you're sweatier, you yeah. have more current would flow. That's probably true. Probably so sweatier people were probably better. More loveiers. Loveier, whatever that more is. Loveiers. <laughs> more loveiers. So, so Gunpei hired a guy named Masayuki Uemura from Sharp and started to develop Nintendo Beam gun games using solar cells developed by Sharp. Yeah. So this was the precursor to the NES Zapper. And I guess the games consisted of a light gun and some targets. And these were really popular. They also went to, on to sell over one million copies. So Then the Zapper, if you guys don't know, that's the little gun that came with the Nintendo. And you could play like Duck Hunt and Hogan's Alley with right, it. Right, yeah. So. so in 1973, uh, Gunpei Yokoi suggests to Hiroshi Yamauchi that the Beam gun games could be used in other ways. And he said, hey, you know, you could use this to simulate shooting clay pigeons. And so Yamauchi came up with the concept of converting the now-empty bowling alleys in Japan into these electrical shooting ranges with simulated clay pigeons. And I guess, you know, these bowling alleys had been used for a long time, and they just were kind of empty. So they were like, well, we could use these for these clay shooting range things. So they started these laser clay shooting systems. That's what they called these places. And it just became this really major evening entertainment event where a lot of people would go there and, and shoot clay targets, you know, using these things. So. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me of how they have a lot of driving golf driving ranges in Japan, too. And right. There's a lot of things like that that are popular. Um, in 1974, they created a variation of this laser clay uh, pigeon shooting thing called Wild Gunman. Right. And Wild Gunman was an image projection system using 16mm film, and it showed gunmen appearing in an alley. And this system got exported to Europe and America. Yeah, I think I may have seen one of I these. I think I remember that. I've seen yeah. these, yeah. Um, but the popularity of these shooting systems went down because of the slowing of the Japanese economy. So Yamauchi was desperate to find a new breakthrough product. So then in 1975, Yamauchi learned from a friend about this new breakthrough technology that was available via microprocessors because they were becoming big at the time and they are being used for various things. So Yamauchi started to research microprocessors and learned that the devices were being manufactured. They were being used in uh, devices manufactured by Atari and Magnavox for playing simple games on television. So I'm assuming that's like the Odyssey 1 and some of the early right. Atari, probably like the standalone Pong type games. So Yamauchi negotiated a license to distribute Magnavox's video game system, the Odyssey 1, in Japan. And I guess this was a system that was done by Ralph Baer, where you had the simple Pong-like games, but it used the little plastic overlays on the television screen to change the game, so you'd have, like, hockey and different games based right. on a little overlay you'd put <laughs> on the TV. But since the N Nintendo really didn't have any knowledge of these microprocessors or how to program, program them or that kind of stuff, they decided to team up with Mitsubishi Electronics in hopes of creating their own video game system in the future. So in 1977, Nintendo entered the video game industry, along with Mitsubishi, with the introduction of the Color TV Game 6 in Japan. 
And this played six different versions of light tennis, which is now like for the research I did, I never really saw how the Odyssey sold in Japan. I'm wondering, did they even sell any? Because all know. of a sudden, they're two years later, they have their own system that they're selling. So it's kind of weird. But this was pretty much like the systems that you saw from Atari and such, where it's kind of a standalone console with two little knobs, and uh, you could control the you know different variations of Pong on the screen. That's basically all the system was was variations of Pong. And this system sold over a million copies in Japan. Yeah. Um, around this time is when uh, Shigeru Miyamoto started working at Nintendo as a game designer and creating artwork for the arcade games. Now, of course, you guys probably know who that is. He went on to create such titles as Zelda yep. and uh, Donkey Kong, Super Mario Brothers. And uh, I was reading a book called Smart Bomb right. about the history of video gaming. And... They had a whole chapter on Miyamoto and how he got to work at Nintendo. And it turns out that his father was um, old friends with Yamauchi. And so he basically asked his father to try to get him an interview at Nintendo. And when Yamauchi met him, the first thing he said was, Hey, you know, we need engineers, not artists. And he didn't really think that uh, Miyamoto was qualified necessarily, but... Because he was friends with his dad, he sort of, to do him a favor, hired Miyamoto, which turned out to be an excellent hire. Because You of think course, so? Well, of course, Miyamoto went on to make some of the, the most loved and successful video games in history. Yep, no doubt. So I just found it interesting that that's how he did that. So then in 1978, Nintendo released a more advanced version of that game system, the TV Game 6, called the Color TV Game 15. And it also went on to sell about a million copies. Boy, they sell about a million copies of everything they produce, it looks like. <laughs> So um, it was the same million people who buy. Right, probably they buy everything, right? <laughs> so uh, at this point, I guess the electronic calculator market was kind of booming. So Gunpei Yokoi, the guy who did the Ultra Hand and all the other Ultra toys, uh, came up with a new idea. He wanted to create a device that was small, thin, light, and at the same time fun. So he set out to create what became known as the Game and Watch games, and they utilized components produced by Sharp Electronics. So in 1980, Nintendo announced the creation of Nintendo of America, a wholly owned subsidiary in New York. Now, of course, they've moved to Seattle, Redmond, right, since, but I guess it must have started in New York. And at the same time, in 1980, they started selling this Game & Watch series of handheld LCD LCD games that included an alarm clock. Have you seen these, Tom? Oh, yeah, I had these. (laughs) Right. Did you have, because I know some of the early... There was one Juggler one. The Juggler, I think that was one of the first ones. Yeah, I had that one. And they were a single screen, and then eventually they went on to do the clamshell ones, like they did Donkey Kong and other games like that. Right. That were uh, similar to kind of the DS, right? You know, that clamshell type of shape. There was one, I forget the name of it, where like people jump out of a burning building and you catch them on this little trampoline. Right. That was one of them. And these sold incredibly well. Hey, did you know there's a DS version of these Game & Watch series that no. only got re- released in Japan? Yeah, you can actually get a cartridge and it ha- has all the Game & Watch games you can play right on your <laughs> DS and it look exactly like it. So it's kind of crazy. Awesome. So Yamauchi wanted Nintendo to be part of the growing <clears throat> arcade market. So he set up engineers to develop new arcade games. And some of those new games included a game called Sheriff, where you control a sheriff who dodges bullets and shoots at bandits. Uh, there was a game called Hel- Hellifier, where you have a ship that shoots down helicopters. And there was a game called Radar Scope, which was sort of a cross between Space Invaders and Galaxian. Now, did you see any of these arcade games, Tom? Um, I think I saw that Sheriff thing. I saw Radar Scope. That's yeah. the only game I've seen. So most of these games were shoot 'em ups obviously, right? 
It was kind of right. more of the macho type of game, I guess. That's how they described it. But Shiguro Miyamoto wanted to develop something different. He wanted to, right. uh, along with uh, Gunpei Yokoi, they, they wanted to develop a new game that featured kind of an anti-hero, which right. a lot of people at Nintendo didn't think was really a good idea. They thought, well, people want these macho, shoot 'em up space, shoot 'em up games. Right. What are you guys talking about? And they were like, no, we want a game where you have this fat carpenter who has to save his girlfriend from a big monkey. A lot of people <laughs> are like, you guys are insane. They didn't believe that this was a very good idea. Well, interestingly, in the Smart Bomb book, it says that Miyamoto was originally assigned to somehow fix up Radar Scope. Radar Scope, Radar yeah, Scope exactly. Because Radar Scope wasn't selling so yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. And they wanted to kind of improve it and make it sell in the U.S., but uh, he decided to just do his own thing and make this whole new game. And did you know that a lot of the... Like, it's re- very rare to see Donkey Kong in a red cabinet, but there are some. And do you know what that red cabinet was intended to be? No. Radar scope. Oh, okay. So a lot of the radar scopes, based on the popularity of Donkey Kong, got converted into Donkey Kong games. So Interesting. So once Donkey Kong was released, it actually became the best-selling coin-operated game of the year. And it sold 65,000 units in America, which by comparison is larger than the number of Street Fighter II games that were ever sold. And if you remember how many Street Fighter II games, there were a ton. So what are some of your guys' memories of Donkey Kong when you initially saw it? I mean, to me, it just changed the whole gaming landscape. Yeah, exactly. I think it did change gaming. Um, I remember at first being sort of confused by it. Like, you know, what is this? Because I sort of had the same mentality that some of those designers in Japan had of like, well, what a video game is, is you fly around and shoot at things. And there's this game where you're climbing a building and there's barrels. And uh, at first I found it very strange, but there was something so appealing about it, too. Yeah. That, you know, there's this, there's this little guy jumping around and, and the big, the big uh, gorilla. And it was just fun. I was young, but I found it really hard. Right, it was hard. And it's still hard for kids yeah. today. The yeah. cool thing I remember about it is it had multiple levels that weren't the same. And a lot of the games right. at the time were repetitions of the well, same it, level. I was talking, I just read recently and it didn't occur to me because I played it again. It only had like four different, four different levels. levels yeah. And I, because I, I remember there being like so many in yeah. a, at the time, which yeah. there was so many at the time, but four, yeah, it just seems so four. limited now. But and it was groundbreaking. Yeah, and it was really the first game where I think you had characters that were not just like dots, like uh, Pac-Man, right? I mean, Pac-Man was kind of a character, but a lot of games were just... Recognizable as... Right, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you had, you know... Well, one of the things Miyamoto was a a believer in from the very beginning was that video games had to get away from just being about violence and have more about, you know, telling a story and having memorable characters. That was really his goal all along. And Mm -hmm. uh, he succeeded right off the bat with his very first effort in Donkey Kong in yep. the U.S. So move ahead to 1981. What happened? So in 81, uh, Yamauchi, along with Masayuki Uemura, started planning a new console that would be much more advanced than the color TV game system. Yeah, I want it to be technic- technologically superior to any of the competitors at the time, and that would be like Atari, Commodore, Bandai. other companies that were producing these kind of consoles. And he also wanted the system to be so cheap that anyone could afford it. So his goal was to sell the machine for 9,800 yen, which would be about $75. So he was just kind of working on that in the background, trying to replace the color TV, was it, 15 systems or whatever. And uh, in 1982, the sequel to Donkey Kong is released, which is Donkey Kong Jr. So uh, what is Donkey Kong Jr.? Well, in that one, you're the monkey, and you climb up these vines and, and leap around. That was another one. It was very colorful. I yeah. think a lot of these games, 
there was something about the way color was used that it really drew your attention from across the room. So Donkey Kong Jr. was probably my favorite arcade game at the time when I was a kid. And yeah. I have one of them in my the room right next door, actually, because it's <laughs> one of my favorite arcade games of all time. There's something about that game that I just really, really loved. And it, it just... It was different than anything. You had, like, Donkey Kong Jr., and he was a recognizable character, and you just kind of felt for, you know, some emotion for him, I guess. It was, like, the first yeah. game like that. So it was kind of cool. It went on to sell, like, twenty to 30,000 units. So, yeah, it's a game I really remember. So in 83, uh, Nintendo releases the Famicom, the family computer in Japan. And this is the same system that would be known as the Nintendo Entertainment System, or the NES, in the U.S., and it sold, I guess, 500,000 copies in the first two months, which is amazing, you know, when you're considering that uh, the other systems weren't selling that much in Japan. And I guess the high sales were due to really two factors of the price, obviously. And you know what's interesting about this whole thing when I was doing the planning for this segment is how many things they did back way back when they still do today, like even on the Wii, like price, right? So they wanted to make it real cheap, cheap so it could beat the competition in the market. That's exactly right. like what they're doing with the Wii right now. Yeah. So. Um, in terms of the name, I heard that the reason they didn't keep the name Family Computer or FamilyCon and they changed it to Nintendo Entertainment System for the U.S. is they found in market research that in the U.S., family entertainment was, it was somewhat of a euphemism for maybe bland and watered down and boring, yeah. Yeah. which didn't have that meaning in Japan. So they decided to just go with a Nintendo Entertainment System. And I guess when the system launched in Japan, there were three games available. Uh, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., and Popeye, which were arcade games at the time, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the launch wasn't perfect, though. Some people complained that the systems were locking up during gameplay. Yeah, I guess they found out that it was a single chip that was mal- malfunctioning. So they had to recall all the systems that were in stores and also take back any systems that were having problems. So I know we talked recently on, I guess it was the last podcast, about faulty systems being shipped out. <laughs> right. And this maybe this wasn't a problem in the past, but apparently it was because uh, they had the same problem with the, the family computer in Japan. But after they successfully had the sales of the system in Japan, they planned to launch it in the U.S. But the U.S. probably wasn't a really good market to launch into because uh, it just kind of crashed. Yeah, Why right, did it... right then they just sort of had a crash of gaming in general. Um, systems were not selling well. And the market had been flooded in the U.S. with mediocre games. I guess that's that's the main reason people attribute to the crash in the U.S. market is that all these games were being put out and they were just crappy and there was no quality control. So it was hard for parents or people buying games to determine which were the good games and which were the bad games. So they just right. bought the cheapest game. And... You know, they were frustrated because all these games were pretty much crappy. So it ended up in the U.S. that a lot of games were selling for about 10% of their suggested retail price. And that's really what led kind of to the crash in the U.S. So Nintendo, to address this, decided to create a software licensing program that would become known as the Nintendo Seal of Quality. And using this program, they would only license games to third-party developers or that met a minimum quality level. Right, and actually to help with the distribution of Nintendo's uh, NES in the U.S., they decided to contact Atari to talk about a distribution deal. So Atari would have been able to be the ones that were actually distributing it in the U.S. But uh, this deal was actually squashed because Atari saw that Coleco had produced an unauthorized prototype of Donkey Kong for their Atom computer, I guess it was. And when Atari saw this, they were like, well, maybe... 
uh, Nintendo's talking to Coleco, so we don't think, you know, maybe they're talking, discussing a deal with them, so we're not going to do this, so they pretty much squashed the deal right there. So, the history could have been totally different if Atari would have been actually the ones to distribute the oh, NES yeah. in the U.S. But it's probably a good thing, because a lot of people theorize that maybe uh, Atari would have squashed it, because they are already producing their, only, their own 7800 system. system. Yeah. yeah, so... So, in addition to the Famicom with the NES, um, they also released several arcade games. Donkey Kong 3 came out. And Do you also, remember Donkey Kong 3? Um, I can't remember dude, that one very it was well. really bad. There was, like, this dude who would shake, like, the beehives at the top. And you, and you had a um, spray. You, you had a spray gun of, like, poison. Like, you were yeah. in a, you were in a uh, plant house, and you had a yeah. spray gun for you bugs. You shoot up. And like knock the bugs up. It was really bad. It was really bad. I was like, when I played that, I was like, this this isn't a Donkey Kong game. Is it? Is it? I thought it was like a knockoff. Yeah, it was cru- it was crushingly disappointing. Yeah, it was horrible. So Donkey Kong Three, not a good game. So if it comes out on the Virtual Console on the Wii, do not buy it. <laughs> <laughs> but also, maybe to make up for that, uh, this was also the release of Mario Brothers. Right, and Mario Brothers is not Super Mario Brothers. No, it's the Mario, first Brothers. Mario it's, Brothers. It's kind of this uh, platform where two people could play together and knock like crabs and you off, jump the... on turtles. And... Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was, actually, it's it was a really a good, good game. game. It wasn't like Super it, yeah. Mario Brothers, but it was a great game. Yeah, it was a good yeah. game. So in 1984, the system selling very well in Japan, and Yamauchi split Nintendo into several different R&D groups to create quality games. Now again, this is something that Nintendo does today, right? right. Quality over quantity. So he wanted to create several extremely good games that will sell millions and millions of copies instead of making a whole lot of low-quality games. And by using that approach, they could put a big advertising budget into a few games. And um, they also released this system called the Versus Arcade System. Do you remember the Versus Arcade System? Yeah, it had a back-to-back monitors. Right. You could have two players, uh, each with their own screen. So some of the games that were released were like Versus Pinball, Versus Golf, Versus Hogan's Alley, Versus Balloon Fight, Versus Baseball, and Versus Duck Hunt. And these games were really fun. I, I think also, I didn't put it in here, but they also had the Play Choice 10 machines. Do you remember those? Where you'd have the arcade games with a, actually a bunch of Nintendo games in them, and you could pick which game oh, you wanted right. to play. Yeah. yeah. yeah I so, but the Versus systems are really fun, and they're a really unique looking arcade game. It really hasn't, hasn't been really anything like it since. So, the, they also released this here the Punch Out arcade game, which was one of the greatest <laughs> oh, yeah. arcade games of all time. Um, it had a first-person perspective where it kind of had like a green, like grid-like, sort of a wireframe thing of yeah. yourself that you could see right. through, and then you'd see your opponent, and you'd yeah. fight through all these different uh, boxers. It actually utilized two screens as well, one above and below. Um, I, I just remember. I still remember the sound like body blow, body blow, body, body blow, blow, body blow. <laughs> yeah, stick and move, great fighting. You're an up and cover boxer. Yeah, no, it had great yeah. sounds. Do you remember that? And there was a big button oh, yeah. you'd push yeah. Oh, yeah. for the punch out for the right. not, yeah, KO. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love that game. So in 1985, at the Consumer Electronics Show in June, uh, the NES was announced to be released in the U.S. with 25 games, and they test released the NES in the New York area, and it sold around 90,000 units. Pretty good for a test release. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. About the same time, Super Mario Brothers was released in Japan and took the country by storm and sell, sold a whole lot of copies. That was really the system's first killer app, right? Super yeah. Mario Brothers. Everybody wanted it, bought a system for it. It was the game you had to have. So the full-fledged launch of the console in the U.S., I'm assuming? It, yeah, it took in place in February, February of 1986. 1986. And the launch list was cut down from 25 to 18 and included the following titles. They had 10-yard fight, 
Baseball, Clue Clue Land, Donkey Kong Jr. Uh, math. I guess it's Donkey Kong Jr. Math. Which no, Math, I think it was. Was, was that its separate. own thing? Yeah. Uh, really? Duck Hunt. Excite Bike. That math was, Math was, was a game. Math. Yeah. I think it was Donkey Kong Jr. Math, dude. Oh, okay. We'll look at it. All right. Excite Bike, Golf, Gyromite, which actually that uses Rob, which we'll get to in a second. Hogan's Alley, Ice Climber, Kung Fu, Mock Rider, Pinball, Stack Up, which also uses Rob, Tennis, Wild Gunman, Wrecking Crew, and of course, Super Mario Brothers. So at launch, the NES was sold in a couple of different uh, bundles. You could buy the control deck version that sold for one ninety nine, which is actually was a lot more expensive than the Japanese price. Which, <laughs> right. I don't know why that is, but it um, included yeah. the console, two controllers, and Super Mario Brothers. Now to get this, the deluxe set retailed for two forty nine ninety nine and consisted of the console, Rob, and NES Zapper in two games, G- Duck Hunt and Gyromite. Now to me, the control deck's a better system because it has Super Mario Brothers. Oh yeah, but of course you get the zapper, so it's kind of like, I guess they really. I wanted, I would want one that had the zapper and Super Mario Brothers, but that wasn't available. So let's talk a little bit about Rob, uh, the robotic operating buddy. Has it? You guys remember this at all? Oh yeah, I had, I got that. You did not have I a Rob. You did not have a Rob, dude. <laughs> I did, and unfortunately, I don't still have it. I don't know. I haven't. So what did you use so. your Rob for? Can you explain how there it works? There was some game you play. Was it? It was either Stack Up or it was Gyromite. Which one you was know, it? it's so long ago, I don't remember. Whatever it was, it wasn't fun. The only thing interesting <laughs> was doing stuff in the game, you would cause the robot to like pick up these spinning tops and then put it on something exactly, that would spin dude. them up and then it would move it back to something I believe that's else. Jeremiah. Okay, so you had, to keep the, you had to keep the tops going by having the robot move it to the spinner and then put them back on the post. Right. And I, I don't even remember the gameplay. It was interesting for about 20 minutes. And after that, it was like, it was a really cool looking robot, but there was, I, there was never anything to do with it. Right. So here's, here's what's kind of funny. How did the robot know what to do? What did you know? I just remember playing the game and the robot, like, doing stuff. It was almost like okay. disconnected. So here's, was, here's how it works. My memories are very. Fair, it received fuzzy. commands via optical. Optical flashes from a television screen, so the robot could sense these flashes and respond to them. Okay, it's pretty cool. Now, how did the robot communicate back to the NES? Do you know? There wasn't a cord you hooked up, so how would you do it? Did it? I no idea. Joystick. Well, on certain games, you would actually put the controller. Next to Rob, or like plug it in, and it would actually push the buttons. No. Yes. No. Yes, yes, it would. No, I do. Okay, I'm remembering <laughs> that now. Yeah, it would reach down, it would like press down, and press on the A and B. Yeah. I don't think it would ever do the directional pad, but it would do like yeah. the A and B buttons. There's a picture of it. Right yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay, I remember so, that. So I looked on eBay today because I, I have my NES, right? I bought mm-hmm. one off eBay. Um, and I'm, I found Rob on there, and it's going for like 40 bucks. I gotta buy one. So <laughs> before oh, yeah, the next, awesome. I gotta yeah. get one so we can mess around yeah. and get Jaromite and also stack up because because uh, I gotta see it, dude. I gotta see that. Will they work with plasma? You think? I think it's gonna work with. Oh, I well, I ha- mine. I don't have a plasma CRT in my other rooms. Yeah, CRT, right. so it'll be great. <laughs> yeah. So I guess you know you could control like when Rob's giving his feedback via the button presses. They're saying like you could press the buttons yourself. And win at the game or whatever you were playing. Oh yeah, no, I did that. So, so, yeah, yeah you, it, said, it said you were on the honor system to determine. Yeah, whether, yeah, yeah no. so, you could totally cheat. So mm-hmm. I need to get one of those, dude. Yeah. That's that's a total collector's item right there. So Nintendo went on to. I guess Rob was a failure, by the way. But but it was really? pretty dang cool. Surprising. 
Yeah. I think it was kind of the thing where, like, they figured if they included that with it, that's kind of a toy type thing where people might be interested in that and kind of hook them because it's not just a video game system, which had failed in the U.S., right? So, oh, it's also this robot you can control. So, well, it's definitely getting it. It was the most interesting thing as a kid. I was just like, (laughs) and it comes with this robot. (laughs) Of course, even today, later, I still want the robot. Yeah, you you look at a picture of the NES, the light gun, and if there's a little robot sitting there, you go, wow, that's kind of interesting looking. Yeah, so. Nintendo wanted to create different packages over time. The most popular being the NES Action Set. Uh, I guess that was released in 1998, and it retailed for $199 and included the Zapper, which is the little gun, two controllers, and a multi-cart version of Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt. And that's actually the version I have right now. So So when I was uh, in high school, I worked at a computer store. I've, got, I've told you the guys this before, but essentially what we did is we put together computers and we rented games because game rental was a big thing back then. And a lot of Commodore 64 games, a lot of 286 and 386 mm-hmm. games at the time. But we also rented Nintendo games. Yeah. So I would sit in there all day long and just play Nintendo games. So I didn't even <laughs> own my own Nintendo at the time. I didn't need to because all day long when I'd work after I got out of high school and on the weekends, I'd just play the NES, NES at work. So it's a great time. <laughs> So what do you, you had a Nintendo? Did, I did. Did you? I did. did you, Tom? I didn't have a Nintendo. Oh my! Tom didn't have a Nintendo. What do you? No, mean? Oh, I didn't. What a, not a, I not knew a some gamer. people who had it. Um, when I got to college, I didn't even have a TV, and I, I did take my Apple II to college, but um, yeah, I, I rented one occasionally. I, there was a video store where you could rent the system and a game for the weekend, and so I would occasionally rent it. Yeah, I mean, and then played on my roommate's TV. What about you, Dave? Did you have never had one? No. Oh, you guys are such lamers. My parents bought one for me and my brother because that was the mm-hmm. year we moved from out in the farm, and uh, my yeah. parents bought it to I think assuage their guilt over um, traumatizing us by you know <laughs> moving us away from everybody. And- Wasn't it? It, that's bad, Woody. <laughs> I know. Explains a lot. Yeah, it does. Actually, so uh, it's kind of weird to me because I remember the 2600 being a big deal and the ColecoVision being a big deal, and then they just kind of died, right? And then it was kind of weird when the Nintendo came out because I'm like, oh, it's a video game system, and I was kind of surprised because I thought, of course this is going to fail because all those other ones failed, but uh, it didn't, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a whole new generation of kids that I remember coming in the store to rent the games and stuff that were just totally obsessed with the N- right. Nintendo, right? Well, see, my family, we had Pong, we had the Atari, and I guess I was too young to realize like that um, the industry had died or gone away because I just kept thinking, you know, why aren't there more of this kind of stuff? You know, because yeah. I still love the Atari and everything. And when it, when I finally saw that, I said, "Yes, it's back!" You know, yeah. games in the home. I have to and have they have really good graphics. And it's like the arcade yeah, games because they yeah. were arcade quality. You it, know, well, some of them are right because the Play Choice Ten. It was basically the same games. I don't, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I don't think it was, it was equivalent to arcade, but it, it was so much. It was much closer to arcade games than it was to the Atari, which was what I was comparing well, it to. For example, Super Mario Brothers was an arcade game, right? So right. that was exactly the same. Right. Mario Brothers, very similar. So yes, like Popeye yes. And those, so yeah. All right, so uh, let's talk a little bit more. I know we touched on it earlier about Nintendo and third-party licensing because it's not all rosy. Like Nintendo didn't go through, and everything hasn't been great. One thing that's kind of a thorn was their third-party licensing. So let's talk about that for a bit because I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, they had this system where um, de- software developers had to participate on Nintendo's terms. 
And every cartridge had to have a chip that would authenticate with the console before being allowed to play. Right. So it it wasn't like you could just go and make your own homebrew Nintendo game. Right. You had to get there. You had their... to buy into their whole process. And the reason that they wanted this, right, was to keep the quality of the games up so you wouldn't have that problem. At least that's what they said. That's what they said. That was their claim. Right. Um, but really, at least at first, it, there wasn't much relationship with the quality of the game. It was really just whether or not you're willing to pay the licensing fee. But what happens if you didn't pay the licensing fee? You wouldn't have been able to produce a game for it anyway, right? So right. everybody got the Nintendo seal of quality, pretty much, right? Right. So they forced the third parties to pay this fee and go through the Nintendo QA process and uh, buy the dev kits from Nintendo, utilize Nintendo to manufacture the cartridges now, and packaging. Isn't that weird that Nintendo had to manufacture the cartridges and packaging? Well, I think that was another place where they could take a cut of the. Yeah, but the it seems proceeds. weird, right? Like it seems like you should be able to produce your own stuff, but maybe it not. It doesn't seem unlike what goes on today, though. Is that true? Does does Microsoft produce everybody's? Well, I don't, they it? don't. They don't make the CDs, but they still require a license fee. No, I know they, they require the license it. fee, yeah. but they don't make them manufacture them, do they? Maybe they no. Do. I don't think so. Though. Uh, well, maybe I'm, not for CDs, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure either. So this gave Nintendo the ability to dictate pricing, um, censor their material, decide how many cartridges to manufacture. They even placed limits on how many titles a publisher could produce in a certain time span. Only five a year, right? Yeah. So that's weird that they could say, here's how many cartridges we're going to manufacture of your game. That seems like a dumb move. That seems weird, right? The more you can make, the more money everyone makes. See, they didn't want to do that because they wanted to, and this is kind of, again, like, okay, so we heard that the Wii was being produced in huge numbers, right? But then right. there's like this weirdness where it's not in stores right now. Right. But back then, they used these practices to orchestrate market demands. For example, they would decrease stock in order to increase customer demand. And I'm just curious, do you think that's happening today? I bet it probably is, yeah. yeah. Well, I no. know all the makers get accused of that every time a new console comes out. Um, the question of is it true or not, I don't know. But I, I, I probably some of them, not every time, but they, I still think they still play those games. But back then, if you produced a game and you knew they could sell X amount and they were holding it back, that would really irk me. I don't think they do that with <laughs> the games anymore. I no, do but think, I mean, back like, then, that would have right. really... Oh, yeah. I'd be like, oh, yeah. hey, dude, this game can sell a ton. Why are you holding it back? Now, I heard about this theory that Nintendo <clears throat> had. I read this on one of the websites about Nintendo um, that... One of the reasons that they would purposely restrict the number of cartridges and create like an artificial scarcity is they had this theory that if people went to the store after the latest hot game and it wasn't there, they would just buy some other game because they'd want to have something. And then later on, they'd come back and get the hot game. And so that would result in two sales instead of one. Interesting. I don't know if that's true, but it's certainly an interesting theory. It does give you some reason for you know, why they might try to create that, that situation. So in response to this, actually several companies produced unlicensed games. And Atari went so far as to create this thing called the Rabbit Chip that duplicated the functionality of the Nintendo authentication chip. But they didn't put it out using Atari. They created this company called Tengen, which I don't know if you guys remember that. I remember that. Yeah. They and I used, remember the Rabbit even. I remember that name. Yeah. Yeah. They used that uh, that company to distribute games and they were ultimately sued by Nintendo and lost. But one of the games that they did produce during that time was Tetris, like the best version of Tetris, which we'll talk about <laughs> in a bit, which is like coveted by people that collect NES stuff because they were <laughs> limited quality uh, quantity and they got recalled. So if you can find one, it's a it's a big deal. 
So these practices actually persisted, you know, Nintendo kind of dictating all this stuff until the next generation of console systems arrived, which was the Mega Drive or the Sega Genesis and the Turbo Graphics. And with that, people were able to say, hey, we're going to go sell to these next generation systems. They don't have these kind of restrictions. And then Nintendo kind of had to pull back and loosen their uh, policies. So, All right, well... Why don't we talk about some of the really good NES games? Because we haven't really covered that. We've talked more about the history and, and gotten to the NES. So what were some of the great games? Well, there's Super Mario Bros. 3. Right. Which uh, added the map screen, mini games, new kinds of power-ups and levels. Um, it had the first uh, Koopa Kids. <laughs> it had, yep. It the, had... Uh, the Koopalings, I believe they were yeah. called, right? And widely regarded as being the best-selling video game of all time... Uh, actually, the original Super Mario Brothers is the best-selling video game with 40.23 million copies, and uh, Super Mario Brothers 3 has 17.28 million. But that's kind of disputed in a way because a lot of those Super uh, Mario Brothers copies came with the system, so they weren't actually paid for. So there's right. a bit of controversy there. What do you guys? You remember Super Mario Brothers 3? I never played that. Oh my god! No. What <laughs> the heck? Neither did I. And, I was there a Super Mario Brothers 2? Yeah, okay, Super Mario Brothers 2 was this other, like, Donkey Donkey, something It's a Japanese game that they converted to Mario when they brought it out in the U.S., so it wasn't really a Mario game. That's why Super Mario Brothers 1 and Super Mario Brothers 3 are kind of regarded as the real Super Mario Brothers games. Gotcha. But the cool thing about Super Mario Bros. 3, uh, if you haven't played it, is if you've ever played like the Super Nintendo version of Super Mario World, or even the latest version on uh, the DS, right? New right. Super Mario Bros., it's all kind of the same thing. It's all the same uh, ideas that were introduced in Super Mario Bros. 3 with the over-the-top right. view, going in these things, going to the castle, defeating the enemy, uh, the boss character. It's very similar. It's really, it's really all improved versions of Super Mario Bros. 3. And this is really... The definitive uh, platforming game, I think, for any console. And this is the game that, remember, if in the id series that they were really obsessed with and wanted to create right. levels for. So, All right, what, what's another big game that, that came on the NES? Oh, well, the huge one, I think, is Legend of Zelda. Zelda, which I'm playing right now on the Wii. So, again, we talked about uh, Shigeru Miyamoto was the designer. Uh, this was the action-adventure game, right? Yeah. So... It, it really sort of defined the action-adventure game. It had elements of a lot of different kinds of game. You, you, you did fight, but you also solved puzzles. You would explore. Um, it had RPG-like elements. Um, it had dungeons. Um, a lot of the things that were done way back when in The Legend of Zelda are true in Twilight Princess today. All the dungeon stuff. You know, all right. of the, the different action elements of the game, the puzzle solving and stuff, it was all present way back then on the original NES. So you can just see how, even today, they're still using those concepts that were designed by Chiguro Miyamoto way back then. So, so when this game came out, and although I didn't have an NES, I did play this. I played this at friends' houses and stuff. But it really struck me as being like, this game was huge. Yeah. I mean, you talk about uh, Woody, like there being four, only four levels of Donkey Kong. Uh, Legend of Zelda just seemed gigantic. You just scrolled from screen to screen to screen. There's more dungeons, more villages and, and paths and forests and characters. It just seemed amazing how big it was. Mm -hmm. Did you play Zelda at all? I played at uh, Friends. I never had it myself, but I liked it a lot. It was the first real, yeah, like you said, it had the RPG elements, which I was really into at the time. Um, and it was the first game that had a lot of that, the feel I liked on the Nintendo. Yeah. And it felt huge. It felt like a huge game for the Nintendo. Yep. All right, so what's the next game, Tom? Uh, next we got Mega Man, 
which was uh, one of the real classic platformers. Yeah, I've played many Mega Man games since then on many different things, including the PSP. I got a Mega Man recently for the PSP. It's still a great game. I love it. It's it's fun. Um, yeah, and it's really got its start. It's amazing how many series got their start way back on the NES, and they've still right. they're still being produced still going, today. Still coming out today. Lot, yeah, lots of jumping puzzles. Yeah, lots of sort of difficult timing maneuvers. It's still difficult today. I mean, yeah. a lot of the aspects back then are still consistent today. Mega Man is one of the harder games. Like a lot right. of the, it's very technical. You have to give the timing just right to clear levels. It's and but it's fun. So. All right, so what's another game, Tom, that was uh, released on the NES? Well, of course, there's Final Fantasy. I've never heard of that. What's that, what's that about, Tom? Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the most influential and successful role-playing games on the NES, and, of course, still around today in many incarnations of Final Fantasy. Um, so what makes uh, Final Fantasy so popular, Tom? I think it's a combination of uh, the storytelling, the characters. Um, in many ways, the Final Fantasy series has a lot of the same elements as other RPGs, as you know, controlling a party of characters, leveling up. Um, but I think really the storytelling and even the music, the music is good. Uh, there's a lot of stuff there that really gets people's attention. And at the time when that came out, I think that was um, maybe one of the first NES games anyway where you had a whole party of characters, not just a single person. Is that right? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. All right, so the next series is the Metal Gear series, which uh, is obviously the stealth-based action game by Hideo Kojima, uh, developed and published by Konami. And it's actually pretty similar. It had the an overhead view, so it's a lot different than obviously right. the 3D games you see today. But the gameplay was very similar, where you had to go to various locations and use stealth mode or you know move around without being seen, and if you got discovered or, or seen you would go in this kind of alert mode right. and you had to hide the character in order to leave the mode and that kind of stuff so similar to the gameplay in the games today but it was an overhead view so it's kind of crazy that um that that series has kind of progressed from the nes <laughs> up to what it is today but but it has so then we have uh, mike tyson's punch out which was actually the, a sequel to the arcade punch out right i love that game on the nes that's the game yeah. i played the most i think I wanted to get and defeat Mike, Mike Tyson. That was kind of my goal. So. Right. So you're a, a boxer called Little Mac, working your way up the professional circuit, and you face a series of boxers, and the final boss, the final fight is against Mike Tyson. Yeah. Did you play that at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I played that a lot. Yeah, I played that. It was, and Mike Tyson, he was almost impossible. Yeah. I assume that was an ego thing. But, but everybody remembers Mike Tyson punch out. Like Amy's yeah. older brother, he's like, Yeah, I made it all the way through that and beat Mike Tyson. It's like one of his crowning achievements <laughs> on the NES. <laughs> everybody remembers that, so Then we have uh, Castlevania three, Dracula's Curse. Yeah, I just listed that. I mean the Castlevania series was huge on the NES, but Castlevania three was kind of a definitive one for me, the best game that I think I played on the NES. Um, and it was really more about the, the platform platforming i know like in I think it was part two i kind of abandoned that and went to kind of more of an adventure game but part three was really where it got back into the platform uh platforming genre and what was kind of nice about it is i remember there were like paths you had you could make decisions and based on that the game would right. be different and i just thought that was really cool especially in an nes game to have that kind of decision making and branching in the game that affected the outcome of the game and again, another game that we still see today on many platforms. In fact, there was just a Castlevania release for the DS. For the DS. The second so, one on the yeah, DS. Yeah, the second one on the DS. Yeah. So all these series we're seeing that 
came out on the NES made their debut are still around today. <laughs> I find that crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 Then we have a game which I never played called Battletoads. You never played Battletoads? No. That was an awesome game. Now, this came out near the end of the NES life, and it was done by Rare, you know. It was a 2D beat-em-up, and the graphics at the time were comparable to a lot of those that you were seeing on the Sega Genesis and even the SNES. So it was a it was a really cool uh, beat-em-up game, 2D beat-em-up game by Rare. And uh, it was kind of funny because I remember they uh, the Toads had like skin disordered disorders, and they were <laughs> named like Rash and Zitz, and they had to save their brother Pimple. So it was just kind of this weird story, but it was kind of a fun beat-em-up. If you guys played a lot of the beat-em-ups in the arcade, it was really a good a good game on the NES. Hmm. You don't remember that one? I do not. I do oh, not. Oh, you guys are so lame. Of course, there was also Tetris, and uh, Tengen, like you said, released a version of Tetris for the NES that was recalled because of legal issues. But it was the superior Tetris. In fact, Nintendo had a version of Tetris as well. And that was one of the main reasons Nintendo went after Tengen, is they had a much better version of Tetris that they released without going through the, the seal of quality process. <laughs> I had the Tengen Tetris for the PC, and it was de- it's still yeah. the best version of Tetris I ever played. Yeah, It was developed by Ed Logg. He's the same guy who did uh, Asteroids and Centipede. Oh, and he okay. talked about it at uh, one of the conferences I went to. So, yeah, it's it's widely known as the best version of Tetris, even though it got pulled from the shelves. Then we have uh, Ninja Gaiden. Another game. It's still around today in various <laughs> uh, sequels. Um, this was an arcade game, too. But I think the, the NES version was a lot different. Um, the arcade game was kind of a beat-em-up, and it was a side-scrolling 2D platformer on the on the NES. But it was very difficult. Again, just Again, like just the games like today. Just like the ones we still have. Very <laughs> difficult and yeah. frustrating. And the last one I guess we want to touch on, a game that I think a lot of people still know today. What What is that, Tom? Metroid. Metroid. And, and in fact, Metroid all the way through the SNES had a similar feel to the, the uh, Metroid that was on the NES. It was kind of this 2D side-scrolling type game, you know, where right. you discover and what's going on. Metroid has been released on the GameCube, on the uh, DS, on the Game Boy Advance. Yeah. Um, is there one for the Wii? No, there was, there's one that's coming out. and we're, yeah. um, Hopefully, it'll be out in about six months, maybe even less. That's what I'm hoping, because as soon as I get done with Zelda, that's the game I want to play there. Super Mario Galaxy and, obviously, uh, Metroid that, that I want to play on the, on the Wii, so I'm looking forward to those. Cool. So I think that about does it for part, part one, one of Nintendo. So in this, just to recap, we went through the history from the card playing all the way through the zapper portion of the bowling alley conversions. <laughs> the uh, robot. The robot, and through the NES, the Japanese launch, and the American launch. And next time we're going to focus on the SNES, uh, the Nintendo 64, and probably going to touch a bit on the GameCube all the way up to the Wii. All right. All right, so I think that about does it for episode... What episode is this, Tom? 15. 15 of Twitch Sound Video Game Radio. We'd like to thank once again Revenant for joining us for the What We're Playing segment. And we'll see you in about, well, when we do the next episode, which will be within a month. Two to four weeks. Two to four weeks. <laughs> Give or take. Give or yeah. take. We out. We out. Oh, man. <laughs> Thanks, all. We'll see you next time. See you next time. <laughs>